0: I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. So, this week, we have a very exciting show for you and two very special returning guests. Mark Dunderdown and Stuart Roberts are back to review the September 1st, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. And thereafter, it's trivia time as we look back over 32 editions of the WWE SummerSlam pay-per-view ahead of the 33rd annual show this weekend, Mark, how are you doing this evening? Very well, thank you. How are you? I am good, thank you. Stuart, how are you? Yeah, we're all good here, mate. Thanks. It's good to see you both. And I'm just preparing
1: for it trouncing in. So yeah, all's good.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for that. I mean, yeah. Before we get into the trivia battle, which Mark will ultimately win, and uh, let's—I <laughs> <laughs> can't wait for that. Just, just by how much is really the really the question. <laughs> Um, we'll let's, see, we'll see. Yeah, well, I thing is that some of those late Summer Slams, just like, it may as well have, have taken place on a different different planet, to be honest. So I've, I think I would have rather the two earlier the two earlier sections, but we shall see. So um, before we get into that, let's look at this week's episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Uh, this is episode 260 on YouTube, and the show starts with Joel Watts and Bill Watts. Actually, before I get onto that, this is probably the first time you've seen the snazzy new opening with heavy bass guitar. So... Uh, Shoe first, what did you think of this new, bit of the old funky bass guitar yeah. going on here?
1: Yeah, I, I liked it. I like. I liked it, as we went through the program, there was some very classic 80s soft rock tracks that were be yes. pumped out. So, uh, uh, which I'm sure we'll come on to later, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it was cool. It was cool. But what, so, what, well. did
0: you th- what did you think of the new, apparently the old open had been around for years and years and years. So this was quite a big deal when this uh, this changed over.
2: Yeah, you could see some people on the old one were no longer in the territory, so I I understand them changing it. To be honest, I don't don't like the new one. I think the the clips whizzed by too fast, so you couldn't sort of register Uh, some of them. Oh, oh, what happened on that one? And before that, you've seen two more sort of thing. The the only only thing that stood out was all of a sudden, away from the action, there's a close-up of Jim Duggan's blank expression, just a freeze frame of him looking in sunglasses, staring at the camera, and then it's back to... (laughs) That was the only thing that... Did you not think
1: though, when, I, when I saw that really quickly, it was almost like I was looking at like uh, an Ole Anderson from the late l- the late eighties with the big
0: sunglasses, the beard. Yeah, he looks like different that. from the yeah, WWF it, era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it was
1: a yeah, a bit of a double date there. So, I'd yeah.
0: imagine um, without castle of aspersions about Mr. Duggan, I, I suspect that the the, the 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 let's let's put this in a non-controversial way. I suspect the that the Say that again, sorry.
2: The
0: lifestyle. Well, I was going to say, I suspect his diet didn't involve quite the same level of uh, in inverted commas protein" as it did when he went to WWF, So, I suspect that probably yeah. changed his facial features quite a lot. Um, but this is this is quite an odd start, actually, because you've got Joel and B- Joel Watts and Bill Watts who've never appeared on camera before together in this role, presenting the show. Um, they're behind a new desk, or which looks like it has a ring bell on it and a red telephone. Um, Bill looks somewhat uncomfortable as Joel slightly awkwardly runs through the upcoming card, including the Midnight Express, exotic Adrian Street, Buddy Landell, um, Ernie Ladd, and an exciting main event with Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Khrushchev, with the stipulation being that if Duggan loses, he he loses his hair. Um, So he then throws over to his father for a special announcement. Um, what did you What did you guys think of Joel? Because I guess you probably haven't seen Joel too much uh, in 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 the shows that we've reviewed so far. Uh, what did you think, Mark, first of of, uh, of Mr. Watts's son here?
2: Well, I've I've seen a few episodes where Joel's been on commentary, and mm. I have to admit, as the opening credits were ending, I was thinking, "Please be Bill and Jim." Please be Bill and Jim. <laughs> and on screen, it's Bill and Joel. Um, so yeah. Yeah, well, I, we'll get into his commentary specifically later on. But um, yeah, the the new desk struck me as well. I, I've never seen one of those bright red telephones since I think the old Batman TV series. Really?
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe that was what that was what inspired it. Actually, uh, what did you think yeah. of Joel's sort uh, of slightly awkward intro here? I've
1: actually just, just decided I've actually got one of those red phones on my bookcase next to me now. <laughs> oh, I'm, wow. So why I've got it for me as a first Christmas present. Um, um, I, I think he was wooden. I think it's probably the best way to yeah. describe that. I was like... Yeah, try and try and change the tone of your voice a little bit.
0: It was a bit monotone, wasn't it, all the way through? So yeah, it's um, it's, it, it, he is, uh, Though actually, I've said this on the podcast a couple of times before. I think if you compare him to some of the stuff that we've sat through over the last sort of ten years in WWE, he's actually not that. He's actually not that bad. But actually, compared with the people he, the real polished people that he has to sort of team up with and the alternatives, it is quite a tough watch sometimes. Um, So then he throws over to his father for a special announcement, uh, and Bill says that first he has a very serious announcement. Boyd Pierce's mother has passed away this week. He adds that Boyd has been with Mid-South Wrestling for 10 years, and it was quite a blow. She waited until he got home from the big events at the Superdome and in Little Rock, smiled at him, and then passed away. Boyd is heartbroken, and he's asked that no one sends flowers, as the funeral has already taken place. But if anyone wants to send cards, they can do so. And they have a graphic on the screen for Mid-South Sports Address. Um, clearly, this promotion is like a big family. and I know that the viewers back in time would have felt for Boyd. Um, Watts' delivery of this, in hindsight, is a little bit awkward. And, and you almost don't know how to react, especially the bit about her waiting for Boyd to return from Mid-South events before going. I mean, it is heartwarming and also raise a bit of a slightly shocked smile in me. And I guess us Brits have a sort of... Gallows humor in built in us, and, and want to look for some light in some of these some of these things. And um, Mark, first, and then and Stu, do you have anything to add or add on this? Because I, I didn't want to be too sort of harsh on this. You know, it's very serious life situation, but there was just something about Bill Watts here and his, and his delivery.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I, I saw it a different way, maybe through personal experience. I remember uh, when I got married, um, my wife's granddad had been ill for a number of years, and. Um, and he died the day after we got back from our honeymoon. And the, the family were saying amongst themselves, he just wanted to make sure Lindsay, my wife, just yeah. wanted to make sure Lindsay got back okay. So maybe there's something to it. But um, uh, as I told you on the last time I was on the show, I watched them twice. The first time on YouTube for the full unedited experience. Hmm. And then the WWE Network version. And uh, this part was completely cut out of the WWE oh, Network. All about about Pierce. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the only other comment I had was um, when they gave out details of where the funeral was held and so on, uh, it's just a reminder that this was regional wrestling. It's nothing like that would happen with today's national and international promotions. It mm. was, like like you said, a sort of family-based uh, company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stu, what did you think of I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I feel awful now. I've so said that to be honest. It, it reminds me of. I, I, I'll tell a quick story for us. This. So I've You're got a pair. Of, I am. So I've got a pair of. There's a pair of Wellington boots in the back. This is going to make this. Right, it's make you feel. Hope you laugh at this. is how it's intended. There's a pair of Wellington boots in the back of my car in the boot, and I was taking a colleague home from work one day, and I opened the boot up so he could put his laptop case in. And he's like, taking the mickey. Why have you got those? Why have you got those Wellington boots in there? They feel like when you go dogging and stuff. And I was like. <laughs> Actually, actually so when I uh, when I visit my father's grave, I can uh, I don't get my trainers muddy. So he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." And now that's how I feel after the the, the Bill Watts thing. I don't know. I just I just thought it was it's obviously a real tough message for him. And I just thought the way I mean I don't know. I think it's the, it's the gallows humour in me. But Stu, over to you. What did you think about this uh, this opening with uh, with Bill Watts? Yeah, and this was I, a serious I, announcement. Yeah, I, I'm thinking pretty much
1: like. Uh, uh, along the lines of what Mark was thinking, you, you know, you wouldn't get that in a big national promotion. Uh, you know, you know, well obviously when, when wrestlers die, that's recognized and stuff like that, bell mm. salute and all that. But uh, I, I think the low, yeah, I suppose when, yeah, you just got, I, I looked at it like it's a local company you're working for, you know, it's a small company, you know, everyone knows each other. And, and when things like that happen, so I thought sort of like thinking along the same lines, I thought it was a nice touch, although it was a little bit, it, the delivery, well, I didn't feel the delivery was very, Impassioned, if you know. What I mean.
0: It was just, it was almost, yeah. Like, there was just. A, I'm, agreed, I'm sure Bill yeah, Watts felt like was super. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think it's almost for me. It was almost like one of those things where it was, and I, I probably can't quantify this quite right. But it was almost like you could feel, you could feel the awkwardness from Watts trying to do this really, really good thing and do it perfectly. And it's almost like I found myself smiling a little bit in sort of nervous, like, "Crikey, what is this guy going to say next about this?" Poor lady and and Boyd and she's waited from the you know to, the the Superdome show was a massive thing and she's waited for it kind of thing. But there we go. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Why I feel too awful about my initial reaction to that. And um, so we then move forward with Boyd explaining that Pyt were fined ten thousand dollars last week. They refused to pay the fine as per the new rules and they are no longer in Mid South. So I thought this was a this was a nice touch. So basically they've been putting over you can't use weapons this promotion. Um, if you do so, there's going to be a fine, um, and if you can't pay it, your your history. So, anything to add on that uh, that at all? Do you go first, and then Mark follow up?
1: Um, no, I, I mean, obviously, I, I was just a bit surprised, really, because I think they they've probably invested quite a lot into that into that sort of like that whole character, if you know what I mean, around the the Michael Jackson thing and stuff like that. So, uh, I thought it was a bit of a surprise, really,
2: but yeah, they've moved on. Hmm. Okay? so yeah. Yeah, I, I watched the the angle that he was referring to that led to them leaving uh, last week, and um, I didn't really like the way the angle that angle played out, uh, the dynamic of it, because the Pyt and Midnight Express were having a regular two versus two match, and then the babyface Hacksaw Duggan ran in and attacked Hercules and Cornet, which was fair enough. But once Cornet ran away and they all started brawling, it was three on 3 mm-hmm. sort of fair. Fights, so to speak but the baby face went out got the weapon and started swinging it which yep. that's sort of I'd relate that to something if the baby face is outnumbered or, or something like that and um and it seemed on. I think you touched on it on last week's podcast about um using the chair and refusing to adhere to the rules by refusing to pay the fine it was all very heelish but they didn't outright turn them heel it was sort of alluded yeah. to but
0: not really and I did look this up because because they, they did they did say in the commentary that um, like this wasn't a new thing for PYT to act in this sort of way because I believe that they'd been heels in Memphis but looking at their the, who they were going up against when they went back to Memphis they it didn't didn't seem that they were on the heels side. but I guess perhaps it's just to leave it open and. and with well, these things, you did get these kind of short runs where people were featured for a few weeks. They did the house show loop, etc. Did the loop for a few weeks, and then they were gone because people were travelling around. And that they talk. There's a bit later in the sh- in the show when they talk about the Rock and Roll Express, and that was what they were doing during this time away. Um, so after this, you know, there's all sorts going on in this open, uh, and then Bill Watts moves on to talk about a good friend of his, Jeff McKay, who starred in Bar Bar Black Blacksheep magnum pi and willie nelson's latest movie is he talking about willie nelson the singer, country country 7 singer. there, or someone is there someone yeah. else like a film director that
1: country singer, yeah he
0: did in the early 80s so he's he's also involved in films then by the sounds of things obviously yeah yeah he'd done a few around that time yeah yeah so i didn't i didn't know that so uh so yeah he, he, apparently he uh he's, he's in willie nelson's latest movie that hasn't been released yet uh, and he's in, he was in the July issue of People magazine along with his good friend, Tom Selleck. Uh, and his parents are Neil and Betty McKay of Tulsa, Oklahoma, who Bill is privileged to call his friends. And um, I didn't know what was coming up next here, uh, but I had a really horrible sinking feeling this was going to be the second death announcement on the show. Um, did either, either of you get that feeling at all? She, she first, then Mark, go. Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be like, the second thing that, that WhatsApp have to announce here.
1: No, I, I wasn't sure what... I wasn't sure what was coming to be honest with you, and um, what did come was probably one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. But uh, um, um, I didn't get that sense anyway. It was just
2: like, "What, what the hell's going to go happen now?" Uh, yeah. So, of which we'll, we'll, we'll come on through in a bit. I'll let yeah, you know,
0: absolutely. I'll let you know. Yeah, I think uh, you're.
2: you're gallows humor come to the front again there if you instantly assumed death was on the way i, I didn't get that at all but um yeah i did, I it, it was hard to tell from bill uh bill's description of where it was leading to um what when i did uh check online a bit more about mr mckay uh he was in the late 70s he was in a film called all the president's men which is a very famous film starring robert redford and dustin hoffman
0: oh wow, i'd okay. have probably
2: led with that rather
0: than the Barbar Black Sheep thing as uh, yeah. sort of claimed to be. That's interesting. So Watts goes on to say that Jeff enjoys Mid South wrestling, and I've, I've put in my notes. And he's thankfully very much still alive. Um, and when he's at home, you can't drag him away from the television. He throws. By the way, this is the first time I've ever used paper notes. This is Mid South first, rather than doing my notes on computers so because I didn't have my personal laptop with me uh, while I was doing this today. So there yeah. you go. Very interesting and- fact for you listeners handwritten there. Handwritten, wow. I did try and do that once and my laptop was broken. I don't know how you, how you stuck with it. I got to about a paragraph, I think. And Mark, you've got the printed version as well. Nice. Yeah, I don't I'll, mind, I don't I'll, mind I'll... it so far, actually. The only thing is I can't, if I've got the thing in front of me, I can see you guys reacting. If I'm, looking, I'm looking down on the, um, to see if you want to jump in. Anyway, sorry, that's behind Behind the, podca- behind the curtain of podcast, and then perhaps that'll be a, a separate series, how I put my notes together and how long it takes me. Um, <laughs> anyway, Watts goes on to say that, as you said, Jeff enjoys mid-south wrestling, very much still alive. And when he's home, you can't drag him away from the television. He throws to a piece that Joel had put together with JYD and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, and now this must have been some internal struggle for Watts here, uh, because I can only imagine the ill feeling he had towards JYD at this point. Mm. Uh, but he felt he still wanted to wear this to show that the star in McKay or McKay involved with the wrestlers in this promotion. Um, so we cut to JYD and Dugan sitting in a room in front of a television um, with a big old triangular aerial. And this shot is facing the two of them, so we can't see the TV screen. JYD says, "Hey, isn't that guy Jeff McKay?" JYD then walks off and we cut to another room with what is presumably Jeff McKay sitting on a chair with some bullhorns uh, with a can of what I think is lager in his hand. It appears he's watching wrestling and he's getting so into it that he crushes the can. Uh, in walks JYD and says something about Barbar Bar Black Sheep and McKay asks him to leave him alone because he's watching Mid-South Wrestling. JYD says he won't bother him anymore and he walks off as McKay complains about the referee. And then cuts back to Duggan and he's changed channels and this time it's McKay on Magnum P.I., Duggan now walks into this room and gets the same reaction from Mackay. He's so annoyed by this interruption that he gets up and tries to attack Duggan and as he swings into the air he's held back by his forehead. Um, JYD and Duggan then decide to pick him up and move him into another room and sit him down. He says, oh, that's Magnum P.I. If you want to watch a real show you should watch Mid-South Wrestling. And now JYD and Duggan look pleased. This was so, why are they all in the same house together to start off with? And <laughs> what's going on? Mark, you go first and Stu, what do you think of this?
2: That question just scratches the surface. <laughs> so,
0: um,
2: Bill Watts mentioned it, and then Hacksaw mentioned, uh, sorry, Junk it it, Baba Black Sheep's coming on. They made it sound like this is a huge deal. I can tell you that this program only had 19 episodes in total, <laughs> so it wasn't around. And it ended just before this happened in 1978. That was the last time it was on TV. So wow. I don't know where that come from. I sense from that that Jeff, the rise at this point in 1984. (laughs) But back to Joel Watts' masterpiece. Um, JYD, yeah, so going room to room, seemed amazed that they'd seen the guy on TV, that they wanted to go and tell the same guy that seen him on TV and he switches TV over to it. Then when he jumps up and tries to attack them, um, like you said, the... Hacksaw held him back at arm's length like a cartoon, so he's swinging punches and can't reach. And that won't have helped with the groups like PTC around, the parents' television council, who were go, at this time claiming that rest, watching wrestling makes people violent. So he's throwing beer cans around and trying to swing. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the, he, got, he tells them not to bother watching Barbar Black Blacksheep and Magnum P.I., two shows. Was on. So that's not a very good endorsement for those. And, um, and they all seem happy with the end result. And it's quite coincidental that all three shows were on at the same time. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to criticise Joel Watts too much because that was my first thought. This is something Joel's has created and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, Jim Ross did an article for WWE.com a few years ago in which he was praising Joel's talent for TV production and editing. And basically, behind the scenes, he was really, really good, really effective, really useful to whoever used him. Uh, it was just in front of the camera; he never really um, settled in.
0: Because I, I, am I right? I don't. I don't know, it's really tough to find stuff about Joe Watts out there, but I think he had a job somewhere. And I've, I think someone has said that they thought he worked for WWE for a while after this. But I'm not. I'm not sure whether did Ross allude to that at all in the in the article?
2: Not in that article. No, it's just no. like a history of his WWE career but yeah I, I had a look to see what I could find out myself I and mean, there's not a lot there on Joel 1
0: no. I mean to be fair to Joel his his video packages though they are a bit sort of 80s bizarro land are, are they, they, they work like Rock and Roll Express came in on some of these things and they're superstars so it, it did work Shu what did you think of this uh this odd piece here
1: well, it's funny actually because the, the thing that you mentioned at the start was the one thing that I read down was that that the thing that caught my eye was the old TV aerial that was one yeah. thing that stuck out more than anything because it was like one of those like things with like the two big prongs that were going going up like that. Um, uh, there's probably not a lot more to say apart from it was just well it was just quite bad acting really in the uh, <laughs> in and in and Junkyard Dog didn't quite look totally comfortable in that um, no. in that scenario and environment. So um so yeah it it is what it is but. In terms of serving the
2: thing of promoting Mid-South, yes, I think it, it probably did that quite well. Yeah, I think I think, I mean, I think it was something that, that maybe got in the can. They must have filmed it whenever they got around to filming it. They were maybe saving it for an apt time to put it on the TV show as Jeff McKay was sort of famous at this point. So the week after JYD's gone, oh, let's just put this on and then it's done.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, we then cut back to Joel and Bill, and Bill says that McKay is a genuinely nice guy with wonderful parents, and he said that for a rising Hollywood star he was probably one of the most personal and friendly people he's ever met, um, and then the tone changes. Um, he says, you saw JYD there in happier times with Haxel, Haxel Duggan, um, and he says he wants to comment on the junkyard dog. He came to Mid-South when he was young, and he failed, and then he came back and became one of the biggest stars in the history of Mid-South. A lot of people watched him grow. They supported him and watched his development, and he became a superstar, and then he walked out. Not just on him, which hurt him a lot, Percy, because he considered him a great friend. He he walked out on all of the fans in the Mid-South area with no notice after agreeing to some key main events and having done interviews about those matches. He said he spoke to a fan at the Superdome, and they said the thing that really chapped them off is that he supported him all the way, and he lied to him twice on television, Apparently, he thinks he's outgrown the fans of Mid-South and didn't feel like they were worthy of a statement as to why he was leaving. Um, Watts goes on to add that the sad thing in athletics today is a lot of people think they are bigger than the sport that made them. I mean, this was really strong stuff from Watts here. A man clearly under pressure as the wrestling world is changing rapidly around him and having lost really one of his all-time biggest stars right this – is, this is just weeks after the WWF on TBS – for the first time. So this is, you know, there's shock waves around the industry about what Vince is doing, um, what, what he's doing basically and where this is going to lead. Um, Mark first and then Stu, what did you think of this from, uh, from Bill Watts?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it started off with him talking about what great friends they were until he walked out and then, when it was around the time, I think Watts said he walked out for the second time with no explanation and being contracted for numerous dates, he will not be showing up for. Mm. That's when it su- sunk into me. Hang on, this is um, sort of a shoot promo. He's yeah. he's actually telling the truth. He he went into a lot of detail without specifically mentioning him signing with WWF, but um, a lot of facts about it, which were obviously true, behind the scenes things and. And it must have been baffling for people back then who didn't have the internet and the newsletters to see the guy bad-mouthing what is essentially a good guy wrestler. Yep. You can understand if it was a heel who'd left the territory, but sort of calling him um, dishonest and all the rest of it, uh, it was quite shocking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Stu, what did you think of this?
2: Um
1: I I just thought he's he's obviously taking it really personally, and it's really upset him. And and you could see that in the way, like you say, it was almost like it was like you you know a a, a shoe promo. It was like you know I'm laying this out here now and stuff like that. Um, um, And yeah, you could tell that it it, it really bothered him, didn't it? So uh, I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah. The relationship was like after that. Did it ever heal? I'm not sure. Mark might be able to know if that if that relationship was ever repaired in in that respect. But you know it, it. yeah, I thought it was really pretty. Really, I mean, if you think for the first ten minutes of that, we've had no wrestling, have we? We've just had announcements and and a and a and a, and a dodgy, a dodgy pro, dodgy promo, and then and then this as well. So we've not actually got to any wrestling action, and already there's so much stuff to talk about in that respect. Yeah, and and yeah, that it yeah it. it, it it
0: hit him hard, obviously, you could tell that. So. Yeah, this is a really bu- This is a really busy and newsworthy show. I think in, in Watts' autobiography, which I haven't read all of, I believe they either work together again or try to work together in WCW later on when Watts was in charge of the booking there. Um, but but actually, to be fair, JYD was probably past his prime already mm-hmm. in 84. So the, 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 the one, the, the, the JYD, I mean, I watched a Clash of the Champions from 1990 it was him and Flair, the manner you think of rick flair in 90 like he, he could have had a he could have had a four-star match with me um well, maybe not actually but um but the jyd match was just just shockingly 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 bad so i think by that sort of stage you know we, he was you know he was he was gone lots of lots of drug problems etc etc really um so what throws to jim ross in the corner for the first match which is Bad Bob Owens versus Johnny Mantell. Um, Mantell had been known to audiences in the Mid-South area having spent a lot of time in the promotion in 1980. Um, prior to that, he did some tours in New Japan um, and he did a short run in the company in May 84. Um, but this was his first appearance on TV in Mid-South for over four years. Um, he spent most of 83 and 84 working for world class. Um, so the referee appeared to be really confused in the early going here, asking for the bell to ring, but it had already done so. Uh, and Watts says in commentary that it's the point of pride for Mid-South. Everyone around the world says so it's the toughest place to wrestle. Um, and again, he makes a point about JYD saying that we've recently seen someone crack under that pressure. Um, there's a light chant of go, Johnny, go. I thought Mantel looked pretty crisp in this uh, and wins very quickly, in just under 90 seconds. Um, Stu first, and then Mark, what do you think of this short opening match?
1: Look not a lot to score in 90 seconds. I mean, what, I, what I put is like what you just put as well, slick. Um, I thought Johnny, uh, good short arm shots to the face, double knee and stuff like that. Um, it was slick. And, and aside from the win, probably the best thing was his exit out of the ring. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of like uh, over the top rope, one arm on the ring apron and down onto the floor. And, and I'll sit there trying to think what wrestler does that like nowadays. And I'm, you might have to tell because I just couldn't think about it. There are wrestlers that have done that re- more recently. And yeah, who we, does that? You know, I, 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 exactly. I, I just got a right block. I can't think who it is. Does AJ Styles do that? Sorry,
2: what was that? I missed that.
0: You know the kind who, of... Over- Sorry, You go ahead. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, you, you know the over-the-top row, one arm on the apron, spring right. down to the mat, which is what, what uh, Johnny Montel did. Um, and I
2: was, trying to, I was trying to think last night, what wrestler in WWE does that? You know, and, and it's just, I, I can't, I've got
0: a block. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I've definitely seen it many, many times. And I yeah. yeah There's a really obvious one. I can't—I don't think it is stars. There's a really obvious one of someone, but I can't think who, who used to do it. Um, what did you think of this uh, this 90-second match, Mark?
2: Um, well, I hadn't heard of either man before, so I was surprised. I've, I've just learned from your description there on some of Johnny Mantell's history um, because I hadn't heard of him and with all due respect to them they didn't have traditional superstar looks mm. my first thought was somebody's going to interrupt here do a run in and, and go like that which I was wrong about it was a full match including a finish and um, I did notice what you said about Pee Wee Anderson uh, he missed the bell ringing so then yeah. as they're starting <laughs> locking up he's still looking at the bell ringing like what are you doing Um and uh, Bill Watts mentioned on commentary at some point Johnny's brother Ken Mantell who I have heard of and was a bit familiar with he does a lot of behind the scenes things with world class and, yes, and other places I, yeah, and, I didn't make uh, a connection at all there actually
0: and, yeah, I, yeah. Quite,
2: and I quite like the um, the finish it was a slick Russian leg, leg sweep which he floated over into a lateral press it was uh, it was a nice looking finish
0: yeah definitely I thought this oh, uh, good. the
2: other the other thing I did The only other thing I made a note on is right towards the end of the match, uh, Bill said something about what was going on, and Joel said on commentary, no doubt about it, and that was literally Joel's only line since he first (laughs) said something, he ran down the matches at the very start of the episode, and then he still doesn't say anything else uh, quite for a bit more uh, uh, to come. So I think I timed it. And we're talking a sort of 12-minute spell where, no doubt about it, was the only input from Joel Watts.
0: He was earning his money for this show, certainly. Um, So next up, we have Rick McCord and Art Cruz in the ring. Uh, But first of all, we get Koshy Khrushchev standing along with Jim Cornette, who is wearing a brown mask. Um, Cornette says that the PYT are gone because they use a chair in the ring against one of his men. And for once, what's good for the the goose is good for the gander. And Mid-South enforce the rules. Cornette says the mask symbolizes something that happened to him, and he's not going to go into it today, Um, but when Mid-South didn't live up to what they said. He added that it's also a sign of him being in mourning for those who are no longer there. The Rock and Roll Express, PYT, the Bruce Brothers, and all of others that they have got rid of since they've been in Mid-South wrestling. He is also in mourning for Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Fantastics as some very, very bad things are going to happen to them in the near future. They'll be got rid of too, but not as nice as the others have. Cornette has offered an incredible amount of money, of his mother's money, I should say, to Khrushchev to take Duggan's hair in a match where Khrushchev's Russian flag will seemingly also be up for grabs. Khrushchev says that he appreciates the offer and his motherland appreciates it. He says he promises that he will take Duggan's hair and put it right in his hand. Shoe first and then Mark, what did you think of this promo by Mr. James E. Cornette?
1: I, I, think, I think the first thing I put, that I picked up on and, and this is the uh, this is the attention to detail to me is that when Cornet's name popped up on the graphic that actually dropped an E off his name. Yes. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um Well yeah, I mean it was playing into the it was playing into the into the the, the Russia American political tie. you know, a bit like when, when uh Sauter and hogan in ninety one Iraq USA and all that, so it was very much playing on the the political status at that time, because obviously Russia and America probably weren't for of the greatest of friends were there at that time. So um so yeah, and it was a good cornet promo. I liked it. Yeah, I always liked cornet promos. So um so yeah. But is this cross appreciate me hailed from is it was it Michigan he, he hails from. He
0: so, originally um, it was from <laughs> the woodlands something like the woodlands of uh yeah, maybe Minneapolis something like that. It was like, it was a woodsman yeah, like yeah. an outdoorsman, oh, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: in real yeah. life, he's one of the Minnesota gang with Ravish yeah. and Rick Rude. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. All right, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but no, no, yeah, it's good promo. Enjoyed it as I always do. Just interested him in the
0: mask. So, uh. <laughs> good stuff. What did you think of this yeah, one?
2: I, I liked it. Uh, I always like Cornette's promos too. Um, I get a kick of out of whenever he mentions his mother in any way. So he mentioned uh, there's an awful lot of her money going towards Khrushchev. Uh, if he gets the job done and um, I think I have mentioned on an earlier podcast I always enjoy when it's a subtle bit of continuity from week to week where Jim Ross will hold the microphone while Jim Cornette's talking and Ross will be sighing uh, shaking his head in uh, annoyance and so on just like he, he hates having to stand and listen to yeah.
0: Cornette he's really good in it I mean you can you can see why you know Jim Ross is just such a polished all-round performer and he's so good with mm. his the nuances and stuff in, in, the, in these performances. Um, so out now at the Midnight Express who are up against McCord and Cruz. Uh, and Watts explains that if Duggan takes the flag, uh, Kosha Khrushchev can never bring one with him to another Mid-South event. Hercules is in his usual spot on the outside with his back to the ring guarding corner. Um, the Midnight, Midnight's look good as usual here and they finished the match with the clothesline trip combo, which I thought was Mark, this was probably my resonates more with you, big ECW fan in the past. A little bit like a slightly lower rent version of the Total Elimination, sort of similar style with the move and the trip. And I'm just looking at the notes and it says, Yeah, that's what I wrote. So what did you think of this? Midnight um, Express,
2: one with a clothesline leg sweep combo, like an early variant of what would become Total Elimination. Yeah, and I really
0: like this, and also I like the fact that the Midnight's the Midnight's have used the heart attack as well. Uh, obviously, way before Brett and Jimmy and Am- Will used it, and they've used a, ver- a kind of a version, something fairly similar to what Demola- Demolition used in the WF as well. So, so obviously loads of stuff that they are either inventing or bringing more to prominence. Um, Mark, first, what did you think of this uh, short win for the Midnight Express?
2: Yeah, I think um, doing these uh, various different um, tag team moves to large impact, uh, it shows how influential they were, I guess, Mm. from how we saw other teams use them in later years. Um, One thing about um, Art Cruz, Sean Michaels wrote in his autobiography that his first ever wrestling match was against Art Cruz. Oh, wow. Um, and I enjoy the way Midnight Express always give their opponents something. Even mm. in really short squash matches like this one, it started with a collar and elbow tie-up and Cruz arm-dragged Eaton across the ring and Eaton looked shocked. So even in a short thing like that, and um, I think uh, Rick McCord got a fairly good drop kick on Dennis Condry. Yeah. They can they can let their opponents have a little bit before uh, they finish it.
0: Yeah, no, I completely I completely agree, and that's something more is more um, a baby face thing in this promotion in terms of giving uh, enhancement talent more. But I think it, it's great that the the, um, the Midnight Express do this and, and add a little bit of an element of jeopardy to the to the matches. Um Stu, what did you think of this uh, this one fifty five Midnight Express win? Yeah, I
1: was going to say there's not a lot to talk about. There is there there's not not much to talk about. Is there? I mean. Um, uh, our crews thought, ooh, that's like a little Ric Flair lookalike there. So uh, a little bit of flair going on. What I did notice with with with, with uh, Midnight Expresses is that you never saw them when they tagged. They, 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 there was no sort of like double double like teaming, if you know what I mean, over the tag. They just tagged and got out of the ring and got in. Got in the, out, like, quick yeah, tags. Yeah, 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 yeah. quick tags. No sort of like, you know, double teaming and stuff like that until off to the very end of the match. But again, yeah, I mean, just... So slick, they're so slick, aren't they? The midnight nice yeah. espresso,
0: there. yeah, yeah, big time. Um, I, I think, um, I can't remember what I was talking to about this, but I think there's a few wrestlers that you see, and there's not many, but there's a few wrestlers you see on this show, uh, that you could drop them, you could pick them up from here and drop them anywhere, and whatever you're watching, whether it's you know 98 WF. 2020 New Japan AEW, you know whatever they would be good and they would fit right in in terms of in ring stuff and they would they would probably be so good yeah. they would develop their characters to, to make make it work as well. Um, so back from the break, we get the repeat of the agency Asian St- Street video set to the self penned "I'm So in Love with Me." Um Stu, what did you think of this uh, this fir- your first viewing of this this video?
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't really know what to say to be honest with you. I mean, obviously very flamboyant. I almost thought it was a bit like, uh, um, uh, like an Adrian Adonis type, uh, type yep. characters. You know what I mean? Very, very flamboyant. Um, and obviously, there's been a lot of flamboyant characters before that. So, because um, uh, he had his valley in there as well, was it Miss Miss Linda? So I mean, that's right. Looked, uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. She, yeah.
1: She looks a tough cookie, and I, I actually did a little bit of research on Miss Linda and I found that she used to wrestle in the UK as, as someone called Blackfoot Sue in the 1970s. So, wow. Yeah. Was she a Brit um, as well,
0: Miss Linda, do you know? And, uh, uh,
1: yeah, I think she was, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, they're, they're, married, they're they're married, aren't they? their husband and wife, aren't oh, they? Oh, I didn't
0: know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure I I saw that they they their husband and wife. Um, hmm. um and and um, and and she was almost, I think she was almost tagged as being like one of the first female ballets as well. Okay, oh, um, okay. You know, in 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 the wrestling business, but but yeah, I, it, it was a fun promo. I liked it. Yeah, I, I mean, it. it was. Yeah. 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 So, what do I mean, you I think, think? I mean, I mean, I mean, again, I just looked at a bit of his background. I've never heard of this guy's his background, but he's Welsh, isn't he? And yep. he was a he was a former coal miner or something like that. Absolutely, so, was, yeah. Uh, um, so for someone that was probably, uh, I'm, I'm not saying he was coming to the end of his career, but for someone that's probably well on the way to the end of his, yes. his sort of like career. I think you know to, to get promos like that was quite a heavy investment by Mid as well into into the character development. So, um, yeah,
0: I, I agree. So. What, what did you think? Had you seen this one before, Mark? Was this the first time you've seen this uh, this video? Uh,
2: no, this was the first time I saw the video. Um, I, can, I can add a little bit to what Stu alluded to there. With um, He and Miss Linda first met in 1969, so I guess all, all of her career she was already with uh, Adrian. Uh, they've been together over 50 years ever since. But um, they didn't get married until uh, quite recently. He proposed to her in 2005 at a Wrestle Reunion show. Oh, wow. Um, after they'd been together 35 years at that point. Uh, but when the, he's arriving here in uh, Mid-South, Street was already 43 years old. He was a 27-year pro at this point. Um, he'd started out wrestling as uh, just as a regular run-of-the-mill everyday gimmick. Um, but... Uh, the character sort of came about by accident. After some fans were booing him, he started acting more and more flamboyant and effeminate, which got even louder reactions than he'd ever got before. So he kept ramping it up, changing his appearance by adding the makeup and putting his hair in big tails. Um, It must have been shocking at the time because I don't think many, if any, other male wrestlers were doing that before him. And it was still shocking when... WWF created the Goldust character over ten years after this. Even. Yeah, it was considered yeah. a shocking um, gimmick.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and actually, um, and we'll get onto yeah. this more. But perhaps, we we'll perhaps talk about this now before before the promo. But I, we all know what this is, and we know we all know what the the intention of this is, and the, and the time that it was in. But actually, so far, I don't think they've pushed that homophobic button that hard. Actually, in terms of. Um, the comment Bill Watts is all oh you know Agent Sheet does his own thing and he's very flamboyant but there's no real there's no real real insensitive dialogue too much so far I thought um, which I thought was really really interesting and it's almost like I understand that it gets it goes it goes a bit harder in that in that in that front but actually I, I thought you know this was this was. You know, relatively forward thinking, forward thinking, and relatively liberal in terms of the way this this was reacted to. What, what did you think what, along those lines, Mark? What, what are your thoughts before we get on to the sort of prime, yeah, which reveals a bit more?
2: Yeah, you said on on last week's episode that you were sort of cringing at the thought of how this could uh, go. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we'll get into after the match itself. I, I think it all went in a very good direction. They yeah. weren't sort of uh, I don't know how to. Choose the words either really, but um it, when when the music video ended, they took it back to the desk, and Bill Watts had the perfect reaction. He was sort of leaning on the desk with a half smile on his face, and he he shrugged and said, "Well, wrestling is changing." Rapidly, yeah, exactly. Day day.
0: Exactly. No, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's all. Let's have, let's go. Let's let's talk. Sorry, should you go ahead? No, I was
2: just going to say
1: that. that, that, that for that time, like the the, the early eighties, it, it it probably was pushing boundaries a little bit. Do you know what I mean? It was progressive thinking. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, we'll probably come on to the match, but I don't. I'm sure you guys noticed that when he got into the ring, he actually used his valet as a step to get into the ring. Now, now, that you you wouldn't see that happening today, would you? You probably wouldn't no, see no. that happening twenty uh, years ago. I mean,
0: I don't know. I think you could. I'm not sure whether. Would would an, would an abusive relationship, I mean, and I'm, we're not suggesting this wasn't an abusive relationship in terms of what they were portraying, but I'm just thinking of like a character who's a bit like a, whatever, abusive relationship, making his, but let's say Randy Savage and Elizabeth in, you know, The Heel yeah. or Randy Savage. I'm not sure that would, I think that's probably an area they wouldn't go to, but you'd see that on television, wouldn't you? you see that in all sorts of different television shows in terms of, so mm-hmm. it's just like, this is probably one of the things that wrestling wouldn't. With everything going on, perhaps wouldn't touch now. Yeah. But let's let's let's, t- let's let's go through the match, touch on the promo, and we'll talk about this a bit more. So, um, as you touched on, Stuart, he um, when he got in the ring, it, uh, his valet, Miss Linda, sort of got down on all fours so he could he could climb in and use her back as a staircase. Um, unfortunately for me, the contrast in the video that I was looking, at made it look like Terry Ellis um, wasn't wearing any trunks. I don't know whether that looked the same <laughs> for you guys. Just pure white from from the waist down. Um, but luckily, that was all I could see. Um, I thought the crowd didn't really know what to make of this, and fair play to them because I didn't think there were any boos, and there were a few claps. Um, and Agent did a little dance in the ring, and then admired himself in a mirror. Um, and he's wearing an incredible-looking patchwork, sparkly cape of different colours and multicoloured tights. Uh, and Miss Linda sprays his back with something. Did you catch what? Did you catch what that spray was, or what it was supposed to be?
2: <laughs> no, I didn't. No, it Patch- was like one of the old-school um, perfume or cologne. Um, spray things like um rick the modern martel you used to have uh, in wwe where oh, yeah, okay. you used to pump it like that didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, arrogance, those, yeah. arrogance yeah I, I assumed it was um I, i'm not sure anyone in america knows what raljex is but i've assumed he had like a bad back and he had a bit of a, a bit of a heat <laughs> spray or something going on there um so i mean he, a 20 27 year veteran and 43 do you think as a, as a wrestler he might have a bit of an iffy iffy back by that point um, so what says he's certainly different and Joel calls out the mixed reaction which again I thought a really nice touch in Mid-South they are truth tellers and they they fill in gaps in the commentary Which I always think it's a really nice touch um, Bill says he has a tremendous reputation that belies his appearance he's well known in England he lives in his own castle and is a movie star over there Um Agent absolutely takes Ellis's head off with some forearms and Watts says it looks like he has some back-alley Liverpool tactics, which I found absolutely hilarious. How does Bill Watts know about back-alley Liverpool tactics? I mean, crikey. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, Agent wins this in 127. I've written crucifix buster, but I'm not sure. Is that is that the right term for that? Kind of a cru- crucifix? Yeah, I would say. So was yeah. a crucifix, yeah.
2: but he sort of was- slammed him down with it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so before we get on to the promo here, I'm sure first name Mark. What did you think of this sort of short, hard hitting match from from Street here?
1: Well, I, I, I used I used the word that you used arrogance. I thought he came across as really arrogant in the ring, which which, which I liked. And 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 the, the the main thing that I'd noticed from the the match was the devastating forearm shot. So yeah. um, really, I mean, poor Terry. He didn't get any uh, he didn't get any uh, offence at all. Did no, he, he really
0: just, laid it in, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he, I mean, I mean, this was his debut, wasn't it? This is his debut
0: match. It's south debut, yeah. Mid-South,
1: wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so yeah. It, it was what it was. For someone who was de- debuting. but I mean, those, those forearms shots were, were were pretty stiff, to, to say the least. So, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah. In terms of character enhancement, getting the character over, it was the right outcome for the match.
0: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, what did you think yeah. of the, the match portion, Mark?
2: Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I do recommend for anyone that usually watches these shows on the WWE Network, do check out this part of the show, at least, um, on YouTube for the full aging street experience. The music video was completely left off the of WWE Network. I know sometimes they're doing the show, the video with different music dubbed over, mm. but it was totally removed. And, uh, and then the entrance song, his second self-penned song, uh, Imagine What I Could Do To You, um, yeah, obviously that's overdubbed on WWE Network also. Uh, I I noted the pretty mixed reaction. There were some boos, but there was just as many, if not more, cheering and clapping. Yeah. Things, uh, which was which was good. And then um, I, d- I, I noted about Miss Linda getting on all fours for him to step on to the ring apron from. Um, I remember in Ring of Honor, there was a gimmick in their early years when Prince Nana, when he had the embassy faction, um, hmm. he had a... Um, manager called Jade Chung. I remember seeing them and her thing for, I think it was Jimmy Rave, she used to be the valet for. He'd insist that she do exactly the same thing. Okay. And it got me thinking it's one of one of a few small touches that other people in later years had copied or um, used. Like there was that part. And then uh, the flamboyant gesture in was like gold dust, obviously. Um, having And even having the female valet, holding the mirror for him to look at himself like sensational Sherry did for Shawn Michaels years later. Yeah. Um, So all, all round, I was enjoying the, the character stuff. And then I enjoyed the juxtaposition really between him starting the match by skipping around in circles and the crowd were actually laughing out loud at that. But then once it got going, it was hard hitting and aggressive. And I like how he sort of flipped the switch there with, with those European uppercuts and big knees to the gut. And, um, a big splash off the ropes at one point and the finishing move, it, it was beautiful. Yeah, um, I, I completely and agree Cowboy with Cowboy Bill that. Watt said he'd never seen that move before. So it, it, was, a, it was an excellent way to debut for me. Yeah, yeah,
0: really ultra hard hitting, really laid it in, aggressive, tough. You think this this guy's going to be, you know, going to be quite something here. Um, so Ross is in ring and he says that, um, that Street comes to Mid-South with quite a background. And Street says he has many facets, like a beautiful diamond, on his friend, the Queen's Crown, which uh, made me laugh. Um, He came to Mid-South for two reasons. He heard that Mid-South had the most fantastic talent going in the world, and he's come to check that out for himself. He's also a keen student of anthropology. He's been to Borneo and to the Amazon, and he's been told that if he wants to study savages, that Mid-South was the place to come. He then clearly is going... the heel line route because he says that Mid-South has cowboys and you can always tell a cowboy because they have an effeminate walk and they wear funny hats. Now the crowd's starting to boo him here. Um, He says he often wonders why they call them cowboys and when he sees the women they chase, you can see why as they are just like cows and have a lot of filthy habits too, swilling beer and chewing tobacco and some of the men are just as bad. Absolutely disgusting, he adds. He then says he really misses his afternoon tea um, and he's usually able to give beauty tips But in Mid-South, he's going to have to go back to basics. And first of all, he'll teach people about soap. Um, I actually thought this was great. Um, As we talked about, they didn't push where I thought they were going to go um, at all very hard. And this actually came across a lot like a William Regal promo in the WF in the early 2000s as the kind of class above heel Brit looking down his nose at the Americans. Um, Mark, first in the shoe, what did you think about this promo here?
2: Yeah, I made the William Reg, well Stephen Regal comparison as well. I remember it when he first arrived in WCW. The promos were all about how he was friends with the royal family and things like that. That was exactly as Street did it here. The first thing I did notice when it began was how much noticeably shorter Adrian Street was than Jim Ross. Mm. And I know Jim Ross isn't six feet tall. Uh, He was at least four or five inch uh, shorter than that, uh, which was something that stood out to me. But, um, yeah, I made a lot of the same um, notes as you about the content of the promo, which I enjoyed. Um, I liked the bit about he keeps seeing people swilling beer and chewing tobacco, and the men are just as bad. Yeah, that's a great line. And um, towards the end of it, Jim Ross was clearly looking sort of bemused throughout it, but then towards the end, looking off camera a certain direction, it seemed like he was waiting for a signal on when to cut him off, and eventually... He did actually cut him off. Street would have gone on and on a bit longer, I think, had mm. Jim Ross not said something.
0: What do you think, Sherry? Anything to add on this promo from Agent yeah, Street? Yeah,
1: not not really much else to add. I, I, again, I, I, like you guys, I I've made a connection with William Regal. You know, the the, the 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 top upper upper class British person looking down at everything and stuff like that. And, and again, the other comment that I made was, I don't think Jim Ross knew what to make of that that post-match interview but again he plays that role so well doesn't he in in that respect but I thought yeah I thought it was a it was a good promo and it it it, like I say it enhanced the character development which is is what you want to do on
0: your first debut in a in a a mid-match yeah it clearly defined him as a as a which direction as a heel and I think that that was important from the from the get-go and not not so much a figure of fun because as 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 Mark said like this guy is a tough guy and he just he just like beat the living daylights out of this guy in the ring and like just just smashed him up. And I think that was really important to establish is this, he may like be like this off, you know, outside the ring, but he's someone serious to contend with um, in the ring. So back after the break, what says from one extreme to the other, Adrian Street to Steve Williams. Uh, and here we are again, Steve Williams with the Dr. Death Award, which is just helmet. Um, Williams says he's still there and there's not a scrawny little referee or anyone in Mid-South that can take it away from him. Um, it's the toughest man award, and he issues an open challenge. I, I, I've not thought that Steve Williams' work on the microphone as a bad guy has been particularly good so far, and I do think it's a slightly odd casting of this local sports hero. Um, Mark, what did you think of uh, think of Doctor Death here?
2: Yeah, it, it was short. He didn't really say much. He hasn't already said before on previous episodes. The the only note I made was um, sort of dress smart casual in the polo shirt and slacks. It, uh, Doctor Death was looking more like uh, you on one of your golfing days.
0: <laughs> Perhaps he's probably probably got a better, better swing than me. I imagine, yeah, definitely. I tell you, I played on Monday. It was it was one of the worst seasons of my life. It was so hot, I felt like was, I felt like the most dehydrated man in the history of planet Earth. And um, it was just yeah, terrible, terrible. Played awfully as well. My my has got three videos. And every single video is me hitting a ball and going, "Oh no! Oh come on! Oh not again!" So, sorry, not not good at all. Do not take up golf, um, Stu. What did you think of this uh, short promo from uh, Steve Williams? I don't really have anything else to add. No, that, <laughs> That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, in ring we have Nature Boy Buddy Landell, and he's up against Robert Christie, who has the unfortunate combination of a really terrible, and I can I, even I can say that after. Um, after basically a lockdown diet that's not been not been the most amazing. Uh, though I am down from my 201 pounds mark, you'll be pleased to hear, from what uh, oh, okay. that was yeah, two yeah. weeks ago, mainly because of the excess sweat during this heat wave. Um, and yeah, basically he's got an unfortunately bad physique and also clashing green tights that don't match. yeah. <laughs> two different greens are... I like a green. My, my dad's favourite colour was green. I'm a fan of green. Charlotte loves green. This didn't work for this guy, unfortunately. Um, Joel says that Christie wants to rise up in the ranks, but he doesn't feel that Landell is going to let him. Um, I thought Landell looks pretty vicious in this and just decimates him with a huge forearm for the win just over a minute. So lots of really short squashes on this. Um, Sue, do you have any thoughts on this uh, short one here? Well,
1: I deserve for the poor green combo. Um, (laughs) Not really much to say apart from I thought that that Landell was obviously really fluent. That's what you expect. But what I did notice
2: was was the ref wearing tracky bottoms. Did he pick that he up? may well have
0: been, yeah. Looked yeah, like that shiny, was the shiny he
2: wears shiny ones exactly. Yeah, shiny
1: the shiny like Adidasy type tracksuit bottoms. Yeah, so that's yeah. what that was. That was the thing that caught. So apart from the bad ring attire for the rest I also thought um, strange wearing
2: tracky bottoms. But there you go. So not really much else to add on that.
0: Mark, any <laughs> thoughts on this
2: one? Uh, my comment on Robert Christie was uh, I don't know if any Friends fans are listening Uh, he looked a lot like Joey and Chandler's landlord Mr Trigger from Friends (laughs) Um, and the match began exactly the same way as the Midnight Express match earlier the collar and elbow tie up and the baby face uh, enhancement guy arm dragged the heel superstar uh, shocking him a bit before the match went as per the status quo so I didn't make many more comments about the match itself but uh, I did watch um, Buddy Landell versus Armour Johnson from the In Your House where Buddy arrived in WWF out of the blue a few years later. I don't know if either of you
0: remember that match. No, I don't. What year would that have been then?
2: Uh, it was December 1995.
1: Wow. Was that the Bulldog Bret Hart in your house? Yeah, that yeah.
2: Uh, amazing yeah. match, which some people yeah. think is better than the SummerSlam match. Um, yeah. But yeah, on that show... I can't remember if Ahmed Johnson was in the middle of a storyline or just beginning one, um, but the whole thing was a complete cluster on the pay-per-view because Landell was supposed to be a surprise, but the ring announcer sort of, before the whole segment begins, says introducing first from Knoxville, Tennessee, Nature Boy, Buddy Rydell, and um, (laughs) Vince McMahon on... Vince McMahon on commentary says, uh, what in the world's going on? I don't think he knows what he's doing. The camera cuts to Jerry Lawler at ringside with a microphone in his hand who looked annoyed. He said, "Uh, I've got a big surprise, but I think the announcer had just uh, ruined it at this point anyway. So he comes out as the big surprise um, because Jeff Jarrett didn't want to wrestle that night. I think it led to a match between Jarrett and Ahmed Johnson at the Royal Rumble a month later. But... um, Landell had, had aged massively since 1984 and put on a lot of weight at this point. And, but he has said in interviews in later days that um, he had massive drug issues for 15 years between 1985 and 2000. So that's slap like bang in the middle of there. And the match lasted 45 seconds. It was just Ahmed Johnson squash. But yeah, because I didn't have many comments on his match on this episode, I thought I'd watch that as well. So you know, um, Sorry,
0: go on. No, no, oh, shoot. shoot go, go ahead. I've got, I've got some... Okay, I've got,
1: I was just going to say while well, we're talking about Ahmed Johnson, uh, I always thought he 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 could have been huge. He could have been so huge in the WWE, and I don't quite know what went wrong. I know he had a bad did he have a bad injury where I think did he rupture a kidney or something?
2: I think
0: he was something injured quite, wasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. it was more
2: than one.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but he he could have been he could have been huge. I I really really thought he 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 was like the next big thing, but the injuries took over didn't it? And and his career sort of like went a bit sideways, you know, because uh, didn't he ended up in the nation? Or I, I can't remember exactly, but but yeah, I, I just think um, yeah, he, he could have been the next big thing, really. Probably should have been. But.
2: Yeah, he was in line to get the um, WWF title match, the main event of King of Ring '97 against Undertaker. And oh, got an injury just the wrong time, which led to Farouk challenging for it instead. And that and was really at the beginning, yeah. of the
0: end. That was really close. I think that was only maybe a couple of weeks out, wasn't it, from, from the show, I yeah. believe, from memory, because I've watched those roars fairly recently. and it, I was just looking at back Buddy Landell's WWF career, and um, that 95, I mean, he didn't, he actually, according to Cage match, didn't really didn't wrestle at all until right at the end of 96. I'm not sure whether that was personal problems, but he came in and had the match versus uh, Armour Johnson he talked about. He then, the next day, had a championship match with Bret Hart out of nowhere, Unbelievably, that says it's at the WWF Mania taping. But I don't know if that. I don't think that would have aired, but who knows? Maybe it did. He then defeated Bob Holly on Raw on the 18th of December, um, and then his last match in that run was him beating Matt Hardy on the WWF Superstar Show. So obviously they had some plans for him, but then that was it for him. And then he actually, I, I tell you what, can anyone guess who his last last WWF match was against? He, this this guy is a significant deal in the world of the WWF and is prob- probably top five in terms of most most world championships of all time.
2: What year was it?
0: Around this uh, time, 96? No, it was the 16th of February, 99.
2: I'll go with um, Mick Foley.
1: Stu? Oh, I, I was thinking Foley, yeah. It's not Foley. But but
0: but Foley has not got many champions. Um Triple H? Triple H, yeah. Triple H defeated Buddy Landell on WF shotgun Saturday night. I didn't even know it was still a thing in uh, in ninety nine. Wow. Um, and that was that was it for his short run in ninety nine. So um yeah, how interesting. I, I didn't even I didn't even know that um Landell was in was in WF at all. But uh, anyway, we move on from Buddy Landell, So we've still got quite a bit to cover before our, uh, our epic trivia, um, come, which is coming up. So back from the break, we have Brickhouse Brown, who's been impressive recently in wins over Buddy Landell, going up against Ernie Ladd. And there's a lot of stalling at the start of this one, with both men walking around and the ref continually checking Ladd's trunks. Uh, Ladd forces a handshake onto Ernie Ladd, um, which I don't think you'll be doing handshakes too much in uh, in wrestling post sort of twenty twenty it going on, and that kind of freaked me out a little bit seeing a handshake. I must I must be honest. I don't want anyone grabbing my hands at any time going forward. Um, so Landell Landell yeah Landell is in the corner of Lad here and tries to encourage him to fight off Brown's big stomps in the corner. Lad then goes in for the tight goes in the tight um, as Watt said he's trying to thumb him. And um, Brown hits a drop kick in 114 and goes to the pin, but Landell breaks out for the DQ. Both men then beat down Ladd before Sonny King makes a save with his usual iffy-looking offence. And um, Ladd takes a really scary-looking double backdrop and then a really <laughs> awful-looking double clothesline. Um, Mark first and then Stu, what did you think of this? Uh, I butchered that recap, so hopefully you can do a better job of your thoughts.
2: Well, uh, Brickhouse Brown got a huge reaction, way mm. bigger than anyone else so far on the show. That, that was notable. And... Um, uh, Ernie Ladd, he, he just looks gigantic every time. I don't know how big Brickhouse Brown was, but in his foot, footballing career, Ernie Ladd was six foot nine, two 290 pounds. But not only is he that tall, he he's thick as well. He's not scrawny, he, he's just all-around massive. So I, I'd actually quite like to see some footage of him in his prime, maybe five or ten years earlier, to see what that was like. Um, but um, I was just surprised that Brown dominated the match right from the start, which is fair enough but. It, even a cheap shot where only lad took something out of his trunks, Brown uh, thwarted that attempt, and um, and he, he just only lad didn't get to do anything really until uh, the cheap DQ finish.
0: No, absolutely, Shoot, What do you think of this uh, this short one?
2: Yeah, I, I was similar to Mark I was quite surprised actually. I mean, you could always
1: say this was a bit of squash, really, because you know he literally got no offence, no offence. I mean, brick brickhouse looked seriously, uh, seriously impressive. I thought. Actually, this is probably my most favourite segment of the night. Actually, do you know what I mean? But like you say, that 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 when when Sonny King that dodgy double backdrop where he almost came down on like the side of his shoulder. And oh, it was awful, wasn't where, it? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, for a six foot nine, they didn't obviously get enough talk to get him up and over in a in a in a proper fashion, really. But I, I, I like the whole because I didn't expect that at all. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I did not expect Lad to get as dominated as what he did. So. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the segment, the whole, the whole thing from, from, from the start of the match to the, to, the, to the double team
0: at the end, so yeah. Yeah, Brickhouse has been, has been pushed quite, quite hard since he came in with, with two, two back-to-back victories on TV over Buddy Landell a couple of weeks back. Um, so, back from the break, we have our television main event with very special stipulations. This is hair versus flag, Koshy Khrushchev versus Axel Jim Duggan. And what says that Khrushchev is even worse than a normal Russian, who's a turncoat, who turned his back on his country? Um, Watts says that he didn't want to say how nervous Duggan was, um, but his hair represents his freedom and he feels like he has the whole of the United States' pride on his shoulders. Um, all Duggan in the early going of this one, and he blasts Khrushchev with a massive clothesline. Watts adds that Duggan used to ride the A train where he lived in New York and you have to be tough to ride that. Um, Duggan misses a spear from the middle rope and Khrushchev takes over. Watt says he's not sure that Duggan could go to the grocery store that high risk move and this made me think what exactly is a high risk move in a grocery store I mean perhaps buying a can of something that's damaged or some fruit that's on the turn maybe maybe some chicken that's about to go out of date and it's a hot day and the fruit is slightly <laughs> open what do you what do you guys think have you ever have you ever taken a high risk move in a grocery store
2: I'm sure I've elbow um, dropped one of my friends but that was about it <laughs>
1: I do have a rummage around the discount section every now and again for through that's coming close to its end of sale by day, but uh, yeah, can't can't say I ever, ever take it. I suppose the, the, the biggest risk that I took when it comes to shopping was um, uh, I bought a pair of shoes and they were they were there were some Ben Sherman shoes actually, so they were quite in at the time, um, and they, they were up they were, they were selling for a five of that because they they had one size eight and one size nine shoes. <laughs> oh <laughs> and wow! Lost the other one. So I took a bit of a punt and bought them and um so tried to fit this size 8 shoe on my left size 9 foot um yeah, safe to say that that didn't last very long. So, um, so that's probably the biggest risk I have took in terms of buying
0: something. So, do you, do you know what? Sure? It's so funny that you've you've actually did that out of choice. So, I bought a pair of shoes in House of Fraser in Richmond about ten years ago. I was working over there. I nearly nearly dropped my ex employer in there. I would have to have edit that out for the second time. Um, and basically, I bought I'm size eleven. I bought a pair of shoes. And you know, what it's like when you buy a pair of shoes, like they really hurt your feet. Give you bliss, et etc. and I like one of the shoes was killing me. I tried the old new, wet newspaper overnight trick to stretch them out, um, and these this went on for two or three days. And I was walking back over from from a meeting in Lon- near London Bridge and walking back to London Bridge Station. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that left shoe is. The right size. And I looked down at the shoes, and, and it was like a you know, like a, a like a light bulb moment in my head. And one of the shoes was clearly smaller than the other. I think it was a nine and eleven. Ooh. So I had to go back to House of Frozen. <laughs> and I've been wearing these for three days, these bloody things. So I went back and got the other shoes. But it was just in the in the box, it was it was the wrong shoe. So well yeah. done, House of Frozen Richmond. That's probably oh, I, I don't think they're any 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 longer there. No, no surprise with their customer service. Um, so back to the match. Um, Duggan fires out of the corner with a clothesline as both men are down, and he catches him with a huge shot as Khrushchev leaps f- down from the second rope. There's a big backdrop from Duggan, and there's a really nice exchange from both men before a big spear from Duggan for the win in 4.30, and Watts is really putting this over on, on, uh, on commentary and sounds sort of massively excited. Um, Duggan grabs the Soviet flag. He blows his nose on it, um, but then before he can do anything more, Khrushchev fights back, and they have something of a tug of war over the flag, with Khrushchev holding onto it for dear life. Eventually Duggan tears the flag in half much to the delight of the crowd. Khrushchev tries one more attack but is fought off and we go to break with Duggan stomping on the torn flag. Um, Stu first and then Mark what did you think of this match and the post-match angle here? Well first of all
1: uh, was it Duggan or was it Duggan because I kept hearing all I kept hearing was Jim Duggan Jim Dugan. and stuff Well yeah there's
0: I wish I could remember the story about this but there is it is sometimes Duggan and sometimes Duggan but it's, it's one of yeah. the same. Uh, yeah.
1: So um well, there's two things. So I, I did a little bit of research. I wish I could a minute, but the thing I probably liked about most about this match, and you mentioned it, was that 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 end break where they were sort of like spinning, they were bouncing off the ropes, uh, yes, you know, missing the clothesline, yeah. leap over, and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, that was when Doug made... Yeah, I don't don't recall Doug doing much of that in his in his WWS career in terms of in terms of that. I mean,
0: no, I
1: mean, Doug's repertoire is what it is, isn't it? it it's punching, kicking, and 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 that's it really. Um, that, that was the bit that stood out the most was just that, that, that bit of athleticism like the 3-4 off the ropes and, and then, then going into the spear but uh, I did a bit of research because I, I, when it was like oh is a hair versus flag match or whatever it is I just thought oh when was the first like match where hair was on the line and and I'm sure I probably haven't got this right and your listeners will probably tell me that but I, I, I just did a bit of googling to find out what the first or what I could find was the earliest hair type match um any ideas what I came up with?
0: Is it Mexico? No
1: well, the the one that I found was that I find was was in 1962. It was Gorgeous George's last match against the Destroyer.
0: Oh, uh, how interesting! Where it, was, okay.
1: it was a hair hair versus mask match, and it was actually his last match before he he retired. Now, I'm not saying that's the first match where there's been a hair stipulation, but that was the earliest that I did.
0: Was I that could L.A. know, you Was that was that Los was that Los uh, Angeles territory? Uh,
1: I will tell you if you give me two seconds because
0: because uh, I because I know that else, I'll
1: have a look and I'll try and find it for
0: you I, I know that um, I know that hair versus mask and, and those sort of stipulations are you know certainly in, in in the modern era certainly a big you know big deal in um in uh in Mexico. But yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Absolutely. Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles. Um seventh of oh, yeah. November sixty oh, yeah. two. Yeah. mask versus Hair. November sixty two.
1: Yeah. Who yeah. won? And then sadly, then uh well the destroyer won because that was that was George's last match. Sadly, I think he died probably I think he died a year later after that because he had yeah. uh, the cirrhosis of the um but I think there was a lot of um, what what I've read was that um, the, the, the student, like and, and Angelo Poppo, was one of his students, or I can't remember that. that. So that's how it came to Macho Man having pomp and circumstances. Oh music. yeah! Oh, how interesting! To,
0: yeah, yeah, it was
1: yeah, A bit of a throwback to gorgeous, gorgeous job. I may be wrong.
0: I may be wrong. No, that's what, I, I that's think
1: what I uh, that's what I've read.
0: That that I tell you what that would have I would have think that would if that's not the not the first all time, that would certainly be I think the first. First, you know, you, you states or, or can, Canadian yeah. match, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you
1: go. I just thought of doing that because that piqued my curiosity. I thought, oh, I wonder what the first match where hair was on the line, but like I said, it may have been earlier ones, but in terms of internet research, that was, the, that was the earliest that I could
0: find. I mean, I don't, I don't know too much about that, um, that uh, promotion in, in Los Angeles there, but I know that that, that <laughs> WWA World Heavyweight Championship that, that that was around in LA then was was considered like one of the top. You know the, the NWA title was a thing then, but that was that was considered one of the the you know the real world championships back then. And I know that was a that was a massive massive promotion. So yeah, that's that's really interesting uh, in yeah. terms of sort of first first North American, uh, well you know potentially first ever hair match. Um, Mark, what did you think of the um, of the match between Dugan and Khrushchev here and the and the post match with the Soviet flag?
2: Yeah, it, even though it was nothing fancy, it, it was hard punches, hard kicks, clotheslines. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the, the nice exchange you referred to is when Khrushchev took a huge backdrop mm. uh, from Duggan and to the point where I rewound it, freeze-framed it and took a photo. I'll have to send you the photo. It, how oh, much yeah, please height do, he yeah. It's unbelievable. And then um, and Duggan doing that running leapfrog off the ropes towards the end as well, right before the, the spear. Um, it, it was amazing. The athleticism from both men for, for the size they are. Uh, that's what did it um, for me. And and uh, Stuart mentioned about is it Duggan or Duggan I think Cowboy Bill Watts always refers to him as Duggan I think some others do as well but it depends who's talking like I think mm. Cornette calls him Duggan Jim Ross calls him Duggan and so on I don't know if it's a thing similar to um, William Regal's told the story before about when he always called can you remember what he called Umaga
0: Oh Umanga yeah
2: Umanga, Umanga. and somebody yeah. asked him once why do you say that when everyone else says Umaga he said because you all remember what I call it. Yeah, I yeah, wonder yeah. if that's the same yeah. thing. And Phil Watts says, I'm just going to call Hacksaw Jim Duggan Duggan. Cause it D- there is out. a story maybe, about
0: maybe. it. I know, um, I guess host um, Phil, who's been on a few times, He's really great and grew up, sort of grew up watching on this stuff, did tell me what the story was. I wish I could remember it because it was one of the first things I noticed when I was first watching so how do you get, I don't know how you get Dugan out of this Duggan, but it's, um. I will get in touch with him and I, and I will, I'll find that out what that ring is. A bell.
2: Yeah. I think, yeah, he mentioned it on an episode, didn't he? And, yeah, And I wonder if there was somebody, a well-known celebrity or something around the same time, maybe, called Dugan. Yeah,
0: I just can't, I can't remember. Talking about um, these two, I, Duggan, I think is probably, uh, he's limited as a, as a worker, definitely, but I've been really massively impressed with Khrushchev. And I think that, obviously, that, that you know, it would have been... We probably didn't see the best of Demolition Smash in the stuff that we've seen of him because I'd imagine in some of the matches versus the Hearts and stuff that were never taped were probably, you know, the 15-minute house show match. Probably a lot of those are probably on last in some of the house show matches of Hogan in the middle, um, sort of holding the end of a card up and sending the people home happy. But I thought Khrushchev was, was a great work and really brought the best out of Duggan here. Um, this was actually the penultimate appearance of Khrushchev on Mid-South Television um, with the final one coming next week and he was off to, off to Mid-Atlantic thereafter. Um, so back from the break we have Bill and Joel and Bill says what a victory for Duggan um, and everyone has been asking them about the Rock and Roll Express and they'll, ha- they'll be back and there's a video upcoming with Jim Ross is, na- is narrating. Um, so the Rock and Roll Express had actually been working Memphis along with some dates in Florida during this period of time having lost a loser leaves for 90 days match against the Midnight Express um, so, this video is set to jump by Van Halen with Snapsuit an Tune and, and, and pretty much all of this we've seen before. Uh, well, all of this have seen before, but this is the kind of a, a, a reintroduction to the Midnight Express. So, he says, without a doubt, they're one of the most popular tag teams to ever appear in Mid-South area and that many have said that if it wasn't for Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express's constant interference, and they would be, be the Mid-South Tag Team Champions and nothing would make the people happier. So. He runs through some of the previous angles. Firstly, with the Russians cutting Ricky Morton's hair um, after being hired using Jim Cornette's mother's money. We get the great scene with Cornette's face ending up in a cake. Uh, and there's Cornette pulling down the top rope, causing Robert Gibson to spill onto the floor. We also see a tag team title match where Ross says, Cornette dressed in what perhaps is his natural attire, a woman's <laughs> dress, uh, which made me laugh. Because Ross said this in like... he just uh, It's difficult to describe how he said it, but he just said it in such a like a kind of like, kind of, I've got you, Cornette, because I've got you. You can't say anything. You're not here with a microphone and I've got you this line about your natural attire being a woman's dress. Um, and then he hits Ricky, Cornette hits Ricky Morton with his loaded purse. Uh, we then get a recap of the angle with the Rock and Roll Express wearing the Mr. Wrestling masks and basically getting themselves into a tag team match that they weren't kind of allowed to as part of the storyline. Um, and then, the, then winning the titles and the titles will change back with Jim Cornette using the ether. And, um, He then explains the Express showdown with a 90-day clause uh, leaving the promotion, which the Midnight Express uh, beat uh, the Rock and Roll Express um, and he says, soon the fans in the midnight mid, in, soon the fans in the mid south area will be chanting "I love rock and roll" as the theme as the tune changes to the Joan Jett classic. And um, I thought this was really really strong. Jim Ross was a nice touch and a bit of a change in terms of kind of music being used, uh, reintroduction of the Rock and Roll Express, and a, a complete recap of everything they've done in in, in mid south. Just basically say they're coming back and this feud's starting again. And um, Mark first, and then Stu, what did you think of this uh, this recap video?
2: Yeah that it, I I really enjoyed it. Um that was a n- nice sports car that was sat on. I think it was a Porsche. But um the whole thing was edited out on the WWE network version uh, again. Um, okay. and things like this um happening with the Boyd Pierce thing the uh, this and Adrian Streets video taken out the whole thing, the whole episode was 35 minutes on the network as wow. opposed to okay.
0: 55 on YouTube. So, why not just get someone um, in? Because that, kill, that kills the whole show, doesn't it? I mean, you need that Midnight Express thing. Just, just I don't know, do something. But I'm sure you can yeah, get someone they've in there. they have got
2: the facilities to change it. Yeah, of course they I just have. Yeah. It'd be easier to remove it altogether. Um, and yeah, the the music changing to the Joan Jett song uh, was good, where it interspersed with Jim Ross's voiceover saying, that's what the fans are going to be chanting when they come back.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shu, what did you think of this?
2: Yeah, I,
1: I thought it was a, a brilliant video package, you know, really. I mean, if, if you look at, if you look at the whole programme tonight, there was probably about, what, 10 minutes of wrestling, 12 minutes of There wrestling. wasn't a lot, yeah, yeah. There wasn't yeah. a lot, this was really promo heavy, wasn't it, in yep. in, in that respect. So um you know, but I, I loved it because I mean, I love '80s classic rock music, like I said at the start of the uh, start of the show. So uh, it's it certainly, um, yeah, I. I watched it twice thought it was that good? Oh, so, good. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, really. That's incredible. great. So, uh, and then I've been pumping the song through
0: the Alexa today as well, so that's really good. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's all about a bit of Van Halen. So yeah. thereafter at ringside, we get Jim Duggan along with Jim Ross, who says they're here for a very special party. And Duggan says the best thing you can do with a Russian flag is have a little cookout and toast some marshmallows. There's a bucket there with flames coming out of it, and Duggan puts the Soviet flag in the bucket. Setting it on fire, and he actually does have a marshmallow on a stick to toast. Um, he adds that he wishes Darso would come down and enjoy the fun and says he could use his boots, his trunks, but he definitely couldn't use his dirty socks. I wouldn't lose sight of his trunk, particularly for cooking on that, but there we go. Um, he would like, in fact, I would probably pick if you had to burn something to then cook something, would you pick socks or trunks? If you think of the parts of the body it's, that are it's sweating. 50 50
1: hmm yeah I think go te- socks. I'd probably go for stocks because I think it would burn
0: easier yeah you got potentially more uh illness bacteria. causing bacteria from the trunks I'd imagine but then maybe the fire <laughs> would burn it off <laughs> wow that's a that's I I don't know how we got there but anyway there we go thanks to thanks to Jim Duggan and um, he would like it if Jim Cornette could, would come down and he would serve up some marshmallows close and personal and um, Stu what do you think of this with Duggan here
1: uh yeah, it was it was all right. Yeah, um, yeah. i have not really got an opinion on that. It no, yeah, it mean, was <laughs> a bit. Uh, I would have probably, me personally, I'd probably left it as as it was left in the ring. If you know what I mean. I'm yeah, yeah. Cats have had that that other segment. So uh, I mean, it didn't really catch fire very well either, did it? So it
0: no, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't a did roaring you? fire, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't like when um, Sergeant Slaughter did this to the, to the, Hulk, to the Hulk Hogan flag. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you think of this, Mark?
2: Um, like you said I, I noticed he called him Crusher Darso at one point it, I know people were doing that in the weeks that followed the name change but I haven't heard him called that for a while I guess no. Hacksaw, that was a slip of the tongue and and uh, for some reason he's just had a match he's in a dark arena and Hacksall was wearing sunglasses at this point I don't <laughs> know why
0: why not I suppose uh, Ross says that next week we have Steve Williams versus another Brit, Chris Adams. The uh, the Brit British takeover of Mid South Wrestling continues, and that's it. Um, so that is the end of a very newsworthy September first, nineteen ninety four episode of Mid South Wrestling. Uh, Mark first and Stu, what did you think? To kind of closing thoughts on this uh, this pretty newsworthy episode.
2: Yeah, I, I usually enjoy the the episodes with. At least one sort of lengthy match that you can really get invested in. This show didn't have a match like that, but I still overall really enjoyed it. Everything I saw was good. There was nothing um, really badly worked out or anything. Um, the only downside was um, my favorite enhancement wrestler, Mike Jackson, wasn't on I mean, it. Yes, the that uh, is school true. School teacher slash wrestler.
0: That's true. she what did you think of this overall?
1: Yeah, I think I said earlier it was a very promo heavy, heavy uh, episode, wasn't it? But um, but the, the, the promos that were well, the street one, the Rock and Roll Express one was was all really good. I wasn't too sure about the very first promo, but it did get me thinking as well. You know, in that Rock and Roll Express promo when they when Jim caught using and I was trying to think how many matches have I seen where ether has been used. So I can think of the, the Giant Gonzalez and Undertaker. Oh like yeah, i yep. um, Classic. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any other matches where maybe, in inverted commas, ether has been used as a as a as a sort of like a, a weapon against a wrestler.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's been in WWE for. I wonder if that's just that's probably that may well be on the and we don't know about you know the news yeah. and what's what's what you know what, the, yeah. what potential reasons are this, but that I don't I can't think of that being used for a long. I, I think there's probably a Steve Austin angle that. I think maybe where he's passed out because of something like this perhaps but I can't really can't really recall certainly not a match finish that I can remember there you
2: go maybe from the next yeah, can, uh, this can fill us in on this is like the guy escaping the ring that s- specific way I-, I know there's instances that just aren't coming to mind right now do
0: you know what? I think the Rockers used to do it didn't they yes yeah.
2: empty, isn't it?
0: yeah 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 the Rockers yeah. used to do it I'm just thinking some- yeah. yeah yeah that's absolutely who- yeah yeah Right, we will be back momentarily with the first annual SummerSlam Trivia Quiz Spectacular. Welcome back. So... Today we are doing the first annual SummerSlam Trivia Quiz following the successful running of the, well, we've done it before actually, the WrestleMania one, but the first WrestleMania Trivia Quiz on the podcast. So same format as uh, the WrestleMania Quiz. Um, We've divided the SummerSlam years between the three of us. Um, Ten questions from each person. Mark will be asking questions from 1988 SummerSlam to 1998 SummerSlam, which Stuart and myself will be answering I'll be asking questions from the '99 edition to 2008, uh, which Mark and Stu will be answering, and then Stu will be answering questions from 2009 to the 2019, the vintage years of SummerSlam, um, that Mark and myself <laughs> will be answering, and then the winner will receive a special prize. Now, Stu, you've kindly got the special prize. Would you like? To, do you want to reveal that now, or do you want to leave it till the end I'm to reveal I'm quite happy the to reveal it
1: now. Whatever so, your
0: preference is, so I don't, I don't mind. Uh,
1: well, I, I think. This little prize probably has the best SummerSlam main event that I've seen. So, anyone has have a have guess what the main event is 90. I'm talking about?
0: Oh, it's got to be 92, 92 isn't it?
1: It's a SummerSlam 94.
0: Oh. oh, okay. Fantastic. Sorry, we've. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Is that the program?
1: Official souvenir program.
0: What? Nice. I would say that's probably the best match in... I haven't watched Bulldog and Brett for, for, for longer than I, I've watched that more recently. I today. love Bulldog and Brett, but I, I love this. Uh, that's an incredible really match. That match. I think that's well, the so best it's cage like, match of all time. Best cage match, yeah, that's yeah, probably why. Hundred percent. Yeah, so, Was that one of the um, five
2: stars ones, Steve? Yes, You're it right?
0: was, yeah, it was. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, there we go.
1: So, that'll be winging its way to the winner...
0: So it's only got a I short journey quick. across across uh, across Yorkshire. Well, too. I've I've already been preemptive, I've already written the
1: envelope out. But hey, there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, please. Please. <laughs> we
1: will see. But this is right. It's got the authentic um, uh, like merchandise catalog in it as well. So uh, oh, fantastic. There you go. So yeah. So I did get another prize, which didn't quite come as I was thinking it was. I'd ordered a. Uh, A 1998, uh, no, sorry, yeah, 1988 poster, SummerSlam poster. Um, But it it wasn't quite the size that it described it as. Was it trying to find a (laughs) fit? It was like, so, so, I'll sleep. So that can go to the runner-up. There'll be a runner-up prize as well of a dodgy looking 1988 SummerSlam poster. There we oh, go. Well, that's
0: fantastic, she. Thank you very much. That's great. Um, so, <laughs> Mark, over to you in terms of the first set of questions uh, on SummerSlam 88 to SummerSlam 98.
2: Okay, question number one. The first time the WWF Championship changed hands at a SummerSlam, was in which year? Okay. Yep. Question two. Which wrestler was scheduled to challenge for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 1988 and again at SummerSlam 1990 but had to drop out of both due to injury? Or injuries, should I say. Question three. Whose corner was Andre the Giant in at SummerSlam 1991? His final pay per view appearance for the WWF.
0: Oh, it's so annoying because I looked, I literally looked at, I read that today and I was like, I'm surprised about that and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Question four.
2: What stipulation did Sensational Sherry make for the match between Shawn Michaels and Rick the Model Martel at SummerSlam 1992?
0: What a day that was!
2: Question five, which future Hall of Famer wrestled his last match for the WWF in the opener of SummerSlam 1993 versus Razor Ramon? Question six, who defeated Alundra Blaze to become WWF Women's Champion at SummerSlam 1995? Question seven. A four-way tag team title match took place at SummerSlam 1996 between the Smoking Guns, the Body Donners, the Godwins, and which other team?
0: Is that question seven? Yeah. Okay.
2: Question eight. This is a long one, so listen carefully. At SummerSlam 1997, there was a competition hosted by Todd Pettingill in which a WWF fan could win $1 million. Pettingill was joined by Sable and Sonny. And in a pale green catsuit and knee-high white boots, Sonny was, that night, to my then 18-year-old eyes, the most attractive woman I had ever seen in my life. (laughs) So the question is, what move did Steve Austin use to pin Owen Hart in their match that night?
0: Oh, (laughs) Wow. Okay. Question
2: nine. Three SummerSlams in the 1990s included a WWF Championship match, which did not go on last. 1990, 1992, and which other year? Okay. Nine, question nine. Yep. Yep, yep. Question 10. I can't mention SummerSlam 1998 without acknowledging the Insane Clown Posse, <laughs> who performed The Oddities entrance music live that night. I'm a big fan. Who did The Oddities wrestle that night in a
0: six-man tag match? Excellent. Right, we'll be back with the answers very, very shortly.
2: I don't think Elizabeth should be on the floor trying to help her man. Jesse over there telling her right now you got to get out of here. Get on the floor, Elizabeth, and help your man. Both guys out. Look at he He's up on the apron and Off her dress. She took off her skirt Jesse, I, he doesn't know what to do. I don't the You know what to do.
0: Right, an excellent round one of questions there from Mark. Mark, over to you to run through the answers to the uh, 1988 to 98 SummerSlam questions.
2: Okay. The question one: The first time the WWF Championship changed hands to SummerSlam was in which year? The answer was 1997. Ten years, well, nearly ten years after the started, when Bret Hart beat The Undertaker. Before then, the first few didn't have championship matches, and uh, and then the champions retained a few years. Question two. Uh, Which wrestler was scheduled to challenge for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam 88 and again at 90, but had to drop out of both due to injuries? The answer was Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Um, It was in storyline in 1988 because he'd been attacked by Ron Bass, but it was genuine in 1990 after he had the famous parasailing accident and didn't wrestle for three years.
1: Is that when when they they had that that big, um, censored X, and that's didn't the ACA yeah.
2: like that was burr, when, when that was
0: when he, yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah that's right um, question three whose corner was Andre the Giant in at SummerSlam 1991 his final pay-per-view for the WWF the answer was the Bushwhackers for their match against the Natural Disasters question four what stipulation did Sensational Sherry make for the match between Shawn Michaels and Rick the Monomartel at SummerSlam 1992 uh, no hitting in the face was the answer, as she didn't want either of them losing their good looks. I remember Question on the five, day I forgot
0: you... I'd forgotten that until they got in the opposite the aisle where they started hitting each other in the face and they just gave up on that. But I remember I remember so long ago thinking that like, night. Yeah, I'd and that's that why day. she
2: fainted and uh, had to be carried out. That's it. They yeah. were hitting each other in the face. Yeah. Uh, Question five: Which future Hall of Famer wrestled his last match for the WWF in the opener of SummerSlam '93 against Razor Ramon? The answer was the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. He wrestled later in the year in Japan, but uh, had retired by the start of the following year and started managing in WWF. Question six: Who defeated Alundra Blaze to become WWF Women's Champion at SummerSlam 1995? I think a lot of people's answer is what you two both put, which was Bill Nakano. That ah. happened at SummerSlam 94. Ah. Uh, in 1995, it was Bertha Fay.
0: Oh, crikey. Wow. Oh, God,
2: yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and question seven. A four-way tag team title match took place at SummerSlam 96 between the Smoking Guns, the Body Donners, the Godwins, and which other team? The answer in their pay-per-view debut were the New Rockers. Martin uh, Giannetti and Lee, Lee Cassidy. Cassidy. That's right. Later known as Al okay. Snow. Question eight was the uh, sunny in a pale green catsuit question. Uh, and also what move did Steve Austin use to pin Owen Hart in their match last night? That night, It was a roll up slash cradle, um, which uh, was the pretty much the only thing they could do, I think, at that stage.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: It didn't look good, but it... it it had to happen,
0: and they there was a, we're going to be we on a date this, but there was a, a finish almost as bad on the AEW show that was what would this be? So this was eight days ago, and this this actually drops between Jericho and uh, and uh, Orange Cassidy last night, which was really really bad. But yeah, and there was no injury involved that. So yeah, there we go. Uh,
2: question nine, I thought. You two might struggle with this based on Stuart showing us the front (laughs) page of that programme a a moment ago, but you both got it right. Three Summer Slams in the 1990s included a WWF Championship match, which did not go on last that night. 1990, which was Warrior against Ravishing Rude in a cage match. 1992, which was Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. And which other year? The answer was 1994. And Brett. Versus Owen went on towards the end, but Undertaker versus Undertaker was the final match of the night. Question 10. um, Accompanied by the Insane Clown Posse, who did the oddities face at SummerSlam 1998 in a six-man tag? The answer was Kayentai.
0: Ah,
2: didn't have a clue on that at all. (laughs) <laughs> That's those. Uh do you want me to give uh, the results? The
0: yeah, so scores on the doors after round one, please.
2: I can reveal it is a tie, as both got seven out of
0: Ah. Ten. Um, wow.
2: Stuart pressure on there, aren't we? So <laughs> Yeah. Stuart fell short on uh, Brett being the first time championship changed hands at SummerSlam. Um both of you said uh, Paul Meccano faced All Under Blaze, but that was a year previous. Uh, Steve was unable to remember the new Rockers at SummerSlam 96. And um, neither of you remembered Kai and Tai facing the oddities at 1998.
1: I, I at that 91 I up at the start, I, I got into it, it was Hogan against Slaughter, but that was WrestleMania, wasn't it? Yeah, I Summer SummerSlam right. was a match. Yeah, SummerSlam was uh, him and... Um, oh, God. Him and Warrior. Uh, yeah. It was Warrior.
0: The yeah, match made in hell. In. Yeah. That's it. Against
2: Slaughter, Adnan, and whoever it was. So, yeah, yeah. No, the guess. triangle
0: so, of terror. So, it. moving forward now in in our SummerSam quiz, I'm now going to be asking questions about SummerSam okay. 99 to SummerSam 2008. So, let's start at the beginning with SummerSlam 1999 was main evented by Steve Austin defending the WWF world title in a triple threat match against Triple H and Mankind, who was a late addition to the match. What star rating did Uncle Dave Meltzer give this match? Now it's multiple choice coming up. Uh, A, 2.5 stars. B, 2.75 stars. uh yeah a 2.5 it's getting too i'm too tired this week with the heat. start that again a 2.5 stars b 2.75 stars c 3 stars or d 3.25 stars so that's what uh star rating did uncle dave melt to give that match at summer slam 1999 That was a bizarre situation, wasn't it? Where where, uh, mankind got the victory, only for Triple H to win the next night. Obviously, protecting Steve Austin there. Very odd those few days there, uh, with both uh, Foley and Austin sort of severely beaten down and injured at that at that point. Um, So, question two: What was a first about the final two matches at SummerSlam 2008? So what was the first about the final two matches at SummerSlam 2008? Question three, who was the world heavyweight champion heading in to SummerSlam 2007? So who was the world heavyweight champion heading into SummerSlam 2007? Question four, SummerSlam 2006 emanated from the TD Bank Garden in Boston and was main evented by Edge versus one of the greatest of all time, John Cena, for the WWE Championship. How many people bought this on pay-per-view? Now again, this is uh, an approximation and is also a multiple choice. So A, was it 400,000 tuned in for John Cena versus Edge? 475,000 is B, C is 525,000, or D, 575, so SummerSlam 2006, who, how many people bought this on pay-per-view? A, 400,000, B, 475,000, C, 525,000 or D, 575,000. Question five, SummerSlam 2005 was main evented by a famous encounter between Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan. Can you name the last time before that That those two were opponents in a match. So, the last time before SummerSlam 2005, the Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan were opponents in the same match. Question six Who was Triple H's opponent at SummerSlam 2004? So, that's Triple H's opponent at SummerSlam 2004. Question seven. SummerSlam in 2003 was main evented by an elimination chamber match for the World Heavyweight Championship. This match had Randy Orton, Bill Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Triple H and Chris Jericho in it, who was the first man eliminated. So the first man between Randy Orton, Bill Goldberg, Kevin Nash Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Chris Jericho, who was first eliminated in the main event of SummerSAM in 2003.
2: Are you ready for this, JR? I'm ready, and is HBK ready?
0: Question 8. At SummerSlam 2002, Shawn Michaels made his return to in-ring action for the first time in over four years. What famous WWF arena did this return take place in? So Basically, where was SummerSlam 2002? Question 9. This is a bit of a teaser, this one. A bit A little bit tenuous. Uh, but when I was going through the Summer Slams, I, I quite liked the idea of this one. So this is this is a bit tough. Um, at the SummerSlam 2001 pay-per-view, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship was defended by Booker T against The Rock. This was the first time this championship was ever defending on the WWF pay-per-view. The WCW World title had its origins and lineage from the NWA World Heavyweight title from its use in Jim Crockett promotions in the late 1980s and early 90s as a top title in world championship wrestling. Can you tell me the year that the NWA world heavyweight championship was last defended on a show that was promoted by the world wrestling federation. So the, the year that the NWA world heavyweight championship was last defended on a show that was promoted by the WWF. And finally, question 10 is, uh, my usual, uh, and uh, as per the WrestleMania trivia quiz, is a direct ripoff of the Quickly Kevin Starting 11 podcast. Uh, sorry, not podcast, tri- uh, question, trivia question. 31 wrestlers competed at SummerSlam 2000 and I'll ask you to take it in turn to name an individual who wrestled on the card. Um, so this will be penalty shootout style, sudden death. So to win, one of you has to name someone correctly in that round and your opponent not be able to. So does that, is that does that all make sense in terms of what we're doing on the... So basically, you have to name wrestlers that wrestled at SummerSlam 2000, penalty shootout style. Mark, you're, you won the last trivia quiz, so you can choose whether to go first or second in terms of naming wrestlers that wrestled at SummerSlam 2000. So would you like to go first or second?
2: I would like to go second, please.
0: Okay, excellent. So Stu, over to you. Please go ahead with your first answer for a wrestler that wrestled at WrestleMania 2000.
1: 2000 and...
0: Sorry, SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2000, not WrestleMania. Don't, don't tell me WrestleMania 2000, SummerSlam 2000. Um, so you've got 31 to choose from here. I'll
1: go with The Rock. Correct. Uh, Triple H.
0: Yep, correct. The
2: um, The Undertaker. Correct. Kane. Correct.
1: I've got to be careful here because if I say tag team and you say it's right, that's fine. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, you have to say indivi-
0: individuals, not tag teams. That's that's, that's, a, that's a good uh, that's point. why I went second, Stu.
1: That's yeah,
0: where I went. I, yeah, you
1: cheeky monkey. Um,
0: <laughs> Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is correct. Um, Terry Ronalds. Correct. So we've c- completed three. three rounds successfully three. so far. Chris Jericho correct the cat correct
2: Ooh, good answer um,
0: that's an incredible memory of that it's the cat versus Terry I don't know how you can remember that it's unbelievable
2: <laughs> well I told you in the group chat didn't I that I think back to WrestleManias and work from there that was their rematch from that year's Wrestlemania oh wow
0: incredible so shoot pressure's on Eddie Guerrero Eddie Guerrero is correct Chris Benoit. Correct.
1: Um, I was going to say Chris Benoit. Um,
2: Rikishi? Correct. Oh, really? Um, oh, I didn't want to go down the route. I'm stuck with tag teams now and he's it, turned it back on me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bubba Ray Dudley.
1: Correct. You know what's coming now, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Steve
2: on Dudley. Correct. All right, let's change gears. Um, Jerry the King Lawler. Correct. That's a great one.
1: Yeah, he's turned it back now, isn't he? X Pack.
2: Correct. You're joking. (laughs) Taz.
0: Correct.
1: this is just going to open a can of word Edge
0: Correct Christian Correct
1: Jeff Hardy
0: Correct Matt Hardy Correct <laughs> Right there's 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 11 people left out of 31 So you've got really? 20 between you Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you, you might have, have we had Kurt Angle?
0: We've had Kurt Angle, yeah Road dog. Correct. I'm
2: gonna go Billy Gunn then.
0: I don't know. Billy Gunn is incorrect. Ah so shoot, you get the point there. So just to run through we haven't had. Um so in the first match it was Bobby Cannon, the good father, and Stephen Richards defeated Grandmaster Sexay. Rikishi we've had and Scotty Too Um Eddie Guerrero is in a match, a tag match with China, and they defeated Trish Stratus and Um and Steve Blackman defeated Shane McMahon, and we've got everyone else. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So well, well done, Stu. So we will tabulate the uh, the answers, and we'll be back very very shortly.
2: Nice block there, that move. Oh, he's got.
0: Right, so we are back, and now it's answer time. So where are we with these answers, which I seem to make an absolute dog's dinner I've actually been able to answer. This is why I don't spend my time as a quiz master in local pub, com- pub quiz competitions. So question one was, SummerSlam 1999 was main evented by Steve Austin defending the WF world title in a triple threat match against Triple H and Mankind. What star rating did Uncle Dave Meltzer give this match? The, the options were two and a half, 2.75, three stars, and 3.25. Um, and the answer was 2.75 stars. Uh, question oh, two. Well, yeah, I can't remember that being particularly bad, but um, clearly it, probably it wasn't was. particularly good either. No, yeah. And I, it was just not. odd, as we talked about, it's a bit of an odd. Odd setup with that one. Um, so, what was a first about the final two matches at SummerSlam 2008? The answer was it was the first time in history that neither the main event or the semi-main event had it, I had neither a title on the line or contained a champion in a tag match. So, the, la- the, so the, the last two matches at SummerSlam 2008 were Batista versus John Cena, and the Undertaker defeated Edge in a Hell in a Cell match. Um, But the two world championships were in the two matches before that. So Triple H defeated the great Khali and CM Punk defeated JBL. So that was, there's no champions and no championships in the last two matches. So I I thought it jumped out. So go on, Mark.
2: Yeah, the only thing in my head when you asked the question, I thought Undertaker and Edge, uh, Hell in the Cell was last. But Mm. I thought based on WrestleMania earlier that year, it was a title match. I didn't realise.
0: Yeah, so I think this is when punk Punk my money in the bank, didn't he? And I, and I thought I, my my question was originally what was this what ha, what was the, the thing the, the only time this happened? But actually, the same thing happened in 2015 that both of the last two matches Perfect. didn't have a champion in it or or for the title. Uh, question three: Who was the world heavyweight champion heading into Summer 2007? The answer was the Great Carly, Crikey, uh, horrendous! Um, Summer Slam 2006. 2006 emanated from the TD Bank Garden Arena in Boston and was main evented by Edge versus John Cena for the WWE title. How many people bought this on pay-per-view? Options 400, 475, 525, 575. The answer was 525,000, which today feels incredible, doesn't it, in terms of like AEW get 100,000 pay-per-views. They got 525,000 people. Half a million people paid like $60 to watch that match. It's incredible. Um, Question five, SummerSam 2005 was main evented by a famous encounter between Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan. Can you name the last time before that that those two were opponents in a match? The answer was the Royal Rumble in 1992 was the last time that those two were opponents in a match. I think, Mark, you went 91 there, didn't you? I think. I did. Yeah. Which is very close. But well, the Rockers
2: had a really amazing tag match with Orient Express that night. So yes,
0: that yeah. Was clearly wrong. Uh, question, uh, question six, who was Triple H's opponent at SummerSlam 2004? The answer was Eugene, um, which is interesting. I think Eugene got Triple H one year and Kurt Angle another year, didn't he? So, I mean, yeah. talk about two opponents for SummerSlam. Um, question eight, SummerSlam 2003 was main evented by the Elimination Chamber match, the World Heavyweight Championship. This match had Randy Orton, Bill Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Sean Marks, Triple H, Chris Jericho in it. Who was eliminated first? And that was Kevin Nash by Chris Jericho, which you both got. At SummerSlam 2002, question eight, Shawn Michaels made his return to in-ring action for the first time in over four years. What famous WWF arena did this return take place in? And again, you both got this, Nassau Coliseum. Uh, so at SummerSlam 2001 pay-per-view, the WWE World Heavyweight title was defended by Booker T against The Rock. This was the first time this championship was ever defended on a WWF pay-per-view. The WCW world title has origins and lineage from the NWA World Heavyweight title from its use in Jim Crockett promotions in the late 1980s and early nineties as the top championship in world championship wrestling. Can you tell me the year that the NWA World Heavyweight title was last defended on a show that was promoted by the WWF? The answer was 1980. So November the 7th, 1980, Bob Backlund, the then WWF champion, beat Harley Race, the NWA World Heavyweight champion, in a title-for-title match by disqualification at Madison Square Garden. And that was the last time that happened on a WWF show. They would do it again, on NWA shows later that year, I think early into into 81, but not on the WF show. Uh, And Stu, you won the um, starting 11, question 10. So I make scores on the doors at the end of that round um, is another tie, so three each, Going into the final round, which is Stu's questions on the later uh, SummerSlam period of 2009 2019, the vintage years that I don't think I can remember anything about. So.
2: Don't look out, wait for another rock bottom.
1: So I'm asking questions on SummerSlam 2009, 2019. Okay, are we both ready? Yeah. Question one. The 2010 SummerSlam main event was WWE versus Nexus. Which member of Nexus was kicked out of the faction on Raw the following evening? Mm-hmm. Question two. Since his return in 2012, how many different wrestlers as Brock Lesnar faced at SummerSlam? Question three. Who returned at the end of SummerSlam 2009 and attacked CM Punk? Question four. What did John Stewart hit John Cena with during his match with Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2015? Was it either a kendo stick, a lead pipe, steel chair, or a sledgehammer. Question five. How many suplexes did Brock Lesnar hit John Cena with in their 2014 SummerSlam match? Question six. At the 2017 SummerSlam event, who was the special guest referee between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens for the United States Championship.
0: That was question six, yeah? Yeah. Great.
1: Question seven. In 2011, CM Punk beat John Cena to retain the WWE Championship. Following that match, two wrestlers got involved with CM Punk, which ended up costing him the title. What were the names of those two wrestlers? And you'll get half a point for each. Question eight. Who teamed with Stephen Amel in a tag team match against Stardust and King Barrett at the 2015 SummerSlam?
0: I looked at this today again and I still can't can't remember. i like, this jumped out. I wonder if we get a Stephen Amel question. Uh, Question,
1: Question nine. Summerslam 2019 was held in Toronto, Canada. How many other times has Summerslam been held outside of the United States? And question 10, who did Matt and Jeff Hardy team with in their first Summerslam match since returning to the WWE at WrestleMania 33?
0: Okay. good stuff shoot right we'll be back in a moment with the answers
2: now i pronounce that you are husband and wife you may now kiss the bride well let's see some of that macho
0: Right, Shu, over to you for the answers to the final round. Okay,
1: so question one. The 2010 main event was WWE versus Nexus, but which member of Nexus was kicked out of the faction on Raw the following evening? It was Darren Young. Ah. How many different wrestlers uh, has Brock Lesnar faced at SummerSlam since 2012? And... you have one out either way. He
0: faced nine. Oh, so, how annoying! 2018,
2: <laughs> H- I could not think. I got all the reps. Who
0: Triple was H- 2018? CM Punk.
2: Uh,
1: I've just, I've just written the names down. Yeah, Sorry. go ahead, uh, H- sure, I'll yeah. find out in a minute. Uh, Triple H, CM Punk, John Cena, The Undertaker, Randy Orton,
0: Braun Strowman, oh, Samoa Brandy. Joe. I
1: think he faced. I think he faced Roman Reigns twice, and he won in a. Yeah in a single, in, once in a singles and once in a four-way and then...
2: Yeah, we rolling. watched the four-way at your house, Stu.
0: Yeah, I can't yeah. believe they get autumn. That's so stupid. Okay, yeah, no, good good start. Great that question. Was the one, that, was
2: the one, that, that was the one where he really busted
1: him open, didn't he, with his elbow, if I, Is that right? Is that the right match when he busted him yes. open?
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so what so. was the answer? Nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, six seven, eight. Nine. Oh, right. Yeah, I just couldn't remember 2018. That must have been against Reigns as well. Then, oh, I think he I think he faced Reigns. In, I'm sure he faced Reigns. Oh, yeah, because um, Strowman was stood there with his briefcase looking stupid at That's ringside. It, yeah.
1: yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so who returned <laughs> at the end of the SummerSlam 2019 attack CM Punk? It was The Undertaker. Oh,
0: God, I didn't know that at all.
1: John Stewart hit John Cena with what weapon during his match with Seth Rollins? He hit him with a steel... Chair. How many suplexes did Brock Lesnar hit Cena, uh with in their 2014 match? Um, and you were, again, you were both two, you were two either side. It was actually 16. 16. Hit him with 15, 15 German suplexes and a vertical suplex. At the 2017 SummerSlam, who was a special guest referee between AJ Styles and Kevin Owens for the US Championship? Daniel Bryan made Ugh. Shane McMahon the special guest referee. Oh, Shane McMahon, Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in 2000 CM Punk beat John Cena to return the WWE Championship. Following that match, two wrestlers got involved with CM Punk, uh, which ended up in losing the title. Well, firstly, Kevin Nash came out and gave him a jackknife powerbomb, followed by Alberto Del Rio cashing in his Money in the Bank contract to win the title. Uh, Who teamed with Stephen Amell in a tag match against Sardis and King Barrett at the 2015 SummerSlam? It was Neville.
0: Wow. Uh, SummerSlam
1: 2019 was held in Toronto, Canada, but how many other times has it been held outside of the USA? You've both got this right. It was two times, obviously London in 1992 and Toronto again in 2004. And who did Man Jeff Hardy team with in their first SummerSlam match since return to the WWE at WrestleMania 33? Tricky won this because it was a it was a pre-show match and they tagged with Jason Jordan against. Does anybody know who, who it was against? Not a clue. No idea. The Mr. Raj of Mr. Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. So at the end of that round, Stephen, you got three. Mark. You got five, five and a half.
0: I half. I've got Kevin now. five and a half. Yeah, oh, sorry, I
1: beg your pardon. Five and a half. Yeah, sorry,
0: I've still come last. There's a there's a tie here, isn't there? I think there's a tie between me and Stu, both on both on ten. Well, so, well, I, well. <laughs> so I okay, so I think Mark, you you come up you come up with what the question is, but I think we should do something like. A, a number of something and then it'll be it'll be whoever the closest is to that number and you can pick whatever you want um, but the, whoever the closest to that number Price is Right Rules wins uh, and we'll be right. back for the finale very shortly.
2: Unbelievable and Justin afforded on the part of both participants.
0: Right, now, um, back over to Mark for the tie-break question. Um, and, yeah, over to you. I, I suppose you have to decide who's going to go first on this, but that, I'll leave you to devise how that, how that works. Perhaps right. for coin toss or whatever you want.
2: So, I've gone into my DVD collection behind me, and I've got the 1990-91 Tagged Classic out. So, SummerSlam 1991, which was the first WWF event I ever watched... Uh, there were eight matches. How many wrestlers wrestled in those eight matches?
0: Wow, that's great!
2: So, who, should we do coin toss or something? Yeah, and then I think if, you, out a
0: if, number? You, if you've got a coin to hand, I reckon. Um, what are we doing? Are we doing? Are we doing prices right rules? So that you can't be any over. If you're over, you're you over. just doing. Yeah, you can't do over. Uh, I don't
2: know. Yeah. i was just going to say. If you both get a number in your head and say it,
0: oh, I tell you what. Why don't we do? Why don't we do this? We'll um, if, if you will agree with this, Jim, we'll do prices right rules, so you can't go over. But we'll yeah. both, we'll both, um, we'll both put a, uh, will both put a number in the chat, um, and then Mark, you can read out, you can basically read out what we've, you know, what we've done, basically. So let's do that. Okay. So I'm gonna go. Uh, okay. Going to be try and be a little bit clever here, but I'm not sure whether that's uh that's gonna be successful that's what or I've not. Got... <laughs> right. Uh yeah, okay, right. Hmm. Joe, you know what? I've just thought about there's a there's a
1: right okay I've got a number.
0: Right, I'm sticking with that. I've set I've sent mine. Right. So Mark, you can uh you can reveal the truth in a second. I think I've lost looking at that number. So <laughs>
1: But well, shall I take my rationale? Let me take yeah, my rationale before you give on. the answer. So, there was the, there was the, there was the five, five man match at the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's why then it's oh, I've yeah. caught, I've caught this up. I didn't think about this properly yeah. at all. Then
1: there, yeah. was, then there was, then there was a tag team match with the Bushwhackers so we had Andre the Giant question, didn't we? So, that was nine. I thought there's probably another tag match kicking around somewhere in there that made 13 and then five singles matches at, at, at which makes 10. So that's how it comes to 23.
0: That's I've got my you've definitely definitely won 100% so I've gone wow. 19 i multiplied 8 by like 2 and a bit but I didn't actually properly think about what this card was which is stupid and I don't oh, yeah, deserve the I've, prize if I've gone over nah you can't have done I don't think you can have done Reveal the truth, Mark.
2: There were four singles matches, two tag team matches, a six-man tag, and a five-man main event, meaning 27. Ah, oh, well done, Stu. So, Stewart was closest with 23. Steve went
0: way low with 19. Oh, what am I thinking? <laughs> Stu, that was an absolutely fantastic yeah. result. The SummerSlam 94 <laughs> is yours. Oh. Congratulations, Wow. I'm
1: gonna to have to have a little yeah. star put on my uh, little star put on the top the Yeah, it's <laughs> uh <yeah. So, laughs> oh, that was great. That was great. So uh, good 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 tiebreaker question there, actually,
0: yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was perfect. An incredible performance. Right, guys, thank you so much for your, you know, two hours plus. Uh, and that was really, really fantastic. Um where uh, Stu, you're the you're the you're the champion, so where can we find you on uh, online should people want to follow you and uh, congratulate you for your Summersam trivia victory uh, my Twitter handle is the at Wakefield Canary perfect Mark the same
2: uh, no not the same Twitter handle no, sorry, <laughs> the, the
0: same as in your Twitter, yeah, Twitter <laughs> handle that would be a bit awkward uh, shared one
2: yeah yeah it would uh, my Twitter and Instagram are at Dopper6 which is D-O-P-P-E-R
0: and the number six fantastic and i'm sure you both will be on uh before too long but we definitely must do this again for survivor series in november without a doubt so uh, yeah, i think this is going to become a four time a year thing definitely but guys i really appreciate it so much thank you much for your t- yeah and I, I uh maybe at some point in the next decade i might actually win one but it doesn't look like it anytime soon <laughs> i blew it tonight so yeah, thanks thanks so much again guys and we should speak to you all again soon Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.